Commanders, Eagles, and Angels, this is Rainbird, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Tara and Rama's Hard News on Friday night on BBS Radio 1. So welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us here tonight. I'd like to take a few moments to get into our heart space. So we got the calling drum here to come in. What I'd like for you to do, take a few gentle breaths, breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, slowly and gently. Let go of that drop of the day. Go into your heart space. And gather with your guides and guardians your angel teams, your spirit teams, your healing teams, your ancestors, whoever you'd like to journey with that drumbeat with. And there's a council fire in the center. So let us all gather around close in that virtual way we know how to do. as we call it in the seven galactic directions in mind position. (laughs) 
learn from the east to have the light. May wisdom open in the dawn that is upon us, so that we may see all things in clarity. North, the house of night. They wisdom mature among us, so that we may see everything from within. Welcome from the West, the house of transformation. May wisdom be transformed into right action so that we might accomplish what must be done. From the south, the house of the eternal sun. May right action reap the harvest so that we might enjoy the fruits of the planetary being. house of paradise, where the star people and the ancestors gather, may their blessings reach us now. Beating of the crystal planet's heart bless us with its harmony so that we might end war. We welcome from the center source of the galaxy, which is everywhere at once. May everything be recognized as the light of mutual love. All you who have cooed, even Maya, even hope. All you who have cooed, even Maya, even hope. All you who have cooed. Even Maya, even home. All hail the harmony of mind and nature. 
about the Mayan calendar for today and the week ahead. If we look at today, it's a seven ball. So, so it's a blue resonant night. That, red, that um, resonant tone is the seven is aspiring. It's attunement and channel. And it's the three words for Akval, the night, two descriptive words, I, is dream, intuition, and abundance for the night. So here's the affirmation for today. I channel in order to dream, inspiring intuition. I feel the input of abundance with the resonant tone of attunement. I am guided by the power of vision, so that guiding power <laughs> for the toe is the eagle, then, I mean men, excuse me, men, and the, uh, the support glyph for the day is Keith, the warrior, the challenge glyph for the day is Ben, the skywalker, and our cult guide for today and for this sector of the day, the evening, is the mirror, Exmile, that's always a good one. So let's look a little closer at Akbal. It's an artist aspect and it's asking us to participate and believe in our abundance as we work with this energy. And and we also learn from the dream time, from the the Akbal, the night. So let's embrace the gift of that protection of the night and being the mystery of life. As we let go of any self-judgment or any withdrawal issues, we embrace these energies today and tonight. And, uh, yeah, that's that good artist aspect. So, moving on to Saturday, it is the only portal day of the week. And it's of eight con, the yellow galactic seed. So, with that extra dimensionality of being a portal day, let's look at seed, that healing aspect. So... We're working with our openness to to life and working with self-determination. We're working with harmony, seeking, and timing. Seeds are perfect at timing. They, they got it. So <laughs> let's embrace each gift of that possibility and that potential creation that the seed offers us. If we let go of any stagnation or any lack of self-confidence, the seed has knows everything what to do. So no hesitation, no lack of trust as we embrace this poor day. Tomorrow, Saturday, we meet again and do some more <laughs> with that good seed energy. And then moving on to Sunday, it's the nine Kichong, the red solar serpent. The serpent is a warrior energy and it's asking us to remain open to change and distinguish between our body and our soul and do that transmuting 
work. Work with that <clears throat> as we transmute energy. So let's embrace these gifts of that motivation to change the, the gift of instinct and body something that we have with this serpent energy that's about. So let's let go of any insecurities or any feel, fears of intimacy or any issues about the body and let go of any blockages by the ego. So that's Sunday. And then Monday, it's Samhain. Or is it? Yes, it is. It's Samhain or Halloween, as we call it in English. And the Scottish is supposed to be English, but it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> anyway, it's a tenkini on that good day. It's perfect. That's that linker world. It's the white planetary world bridger. So Kimi is is a warrior aspect, and it's really asking for us to work with forgiveness and moving into a state of grace. So we embrace the gifts of being that world bridger and bridging between the past and the future and transmutation. As we let go of anything, of all that which is no more, that ego or any controlling behavior or any belief that life is a struggle, we can let go of that. So <clears throat> that's how we celebrate that new year in the Scottish tradition or the Celtic tradition if the new year um, begins um, on Samhain. And so that's the beginning of also the season of winter. Um, and so, yes, let's uh, embrace those new beginnings as we work with that day, with that warrior energy. And then moving on to Tuesday, which is All Souls Day or the Day of the Dead, um, it's an 11 minute, the hand, which is a healing aspect. So we're working with healing ourselves and others and creating contentment and peace as we accept the divinity of ourselves. So let's embrace these gifts of being that healer of humankind and that ability to open new doors with this energy. As we let go of any distraction or any belief in inadequacy or any procrastination. And we celebrate this day of the dead with honoring the ancestors. And I know in the Mexican tradition, they just put yellow flowers everywhere. So... Blessings with many trails of yellow flowers. <laughs> um, and then moving on to Wednesday, which is All Saints Day. And I can have that backwards. Uh, I think I think Cheryl says it the other way around. But <laughs> we're working with the Stargate, the visionary, Lamont. And it's a, the planetary. Um, no, wait a minute. Not, we're not either. I've got to the wrong place. Hang on just a second. Contact. Oh, yeah, it's Monique, of course. So we're working with Monique, the healing hand, and it's it's a, this an 11, so it's the blue spectral hand, and the 11 tone is all about letting go what no longer serves us. And, uh, we're working with that healing aspect of the hand. So we have that ability to heal ourselves and others with this energy and just create that contentment and peace that needs to happen 
as we accept the the divinity of ourselves, we embrace these gifts of being that healer of humankind and that ability to open new doors. So let's go, let go of any distraction, any belief in inadequacy, or and let go of procrastination. Um, <clears throat> and then moving on to Wednesday, it's the 12 Lamont, the yellow crystal star, and this is the All Saints Day or the All Souls Day. And it's another visionary aspect, so we're working with our illumination of humankind with this kind of Stargate energy as we work to open the Stargate. We embrace these gifts and that journeying, that pioneer spirit, and having that power to see beyond the gate. So let's let go of any dissonance, any self-doubt, as we embrace these energies on Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. And, and then um, on Wednesday, it's the 12 Lamont, the yellow crystal star. Well, that's just what it was. Excuse me. On Wednesday, it's the yellow crystal star. On Thursday, we complete this wave of Kabam. We're in the wave of Kabam where we look to navigate our future. And indeed, that feels like what it has been and will be this week. As we do our work, we are navigating our future. Um, so we complete this wave on Thursday, a 13 look, and so that's the red cosmic moon, so, um, that 13 tone is that promise of change, <clears throat> as it completes one wave and begins another, we have to change, so we're, we are doing that with that cosmic moon, and that's an artist aspect. So we're doing it in an artistic way, and we're embracing these gifts of that wise use of rational mind and accepting of spirit's direction. And um, we're working with our contact with spirit and remembering what we came here to do, what our mission is, as we embrace universal mind as our mind and vice versa. <laughs> working with telepathy, we let go of any sensitive insensitivity. Let go of any attachment to omens or any self-doubt as we embrace these energies on Thursday. And uh, on Friday, we get a new wave, and it'll be the wave of off, the white magnetic dog. So this will be a period of sacrifice as we embrace that unconditional love that the dog brings and that healing the pain of the past. We embrace that gift of being aware of our destiny and awareness of past lives and our loyalty to humankind. So let go of any fears or any animosities of anger with this energy, and we'll talk about it some more next week when we come back. We'll begin that new wave on Friday. So there you go. Um, yeah, quite a lot happening with the energy of the... Um, well, the cross point, Samhain, Halloween, that, that cross point energies are always where the veils are thinnest. And I'm sure that's why we have the Day of the Dead and the Day of the Saint, All Saints Day at the same time, so that we have that close connection with those energies and that extra dimensionality that that brings. And then, of course, the portal day this week will be tomorrow as we work with the con the galactic 
succeed in a beauty tomorrow. So there you go. I'm going to change my hat as we are a listener-supported radio program. It's all of us that make it happen, so I want to do a little housekeeping here. Oh, this is one of the best weeks ever. We all got it done. We need $300 for the radio. We need $300 each week. So that's what we need for this week. That means we're all caught up. I'm so proud of you all for making it happen. Good job. Good, good job. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So here's how we do it. We go into our heart space, see what it's ours to give, and then go to bbsradio.com. And you're wanting to find a menu for uh, Radio Station 1. And as you do that, you'll see um, at the 6 o'clock hour this program, The Hard News on Friday night with Tara and Rama. And um, you also find on Radio Station 1 on Thursday at the 6 o'clock hour or night at the roundtable with the panel. So both of those, either one of those shows, there's an icon there. Click on the icon. That will take you directly to our account. And there you can make a donation in any amount using your bank card. So thank you for taking that action and thank you for your support. It takes all of us to make it happen. So lots of gratitude for coming together this way in a good way. And we're also assisting Tara and Lala with their needs and their rent was due and they have the rent money, they have the bill money. All they need is their living expenses money. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you for all your contributions to make that happen in such a beautiful way. So much gratitude for your generosity and persistence. (laughs) Yeah, and loyalty that way. Lots of gratitude. So with um, with that, here's how we make a donation to Tara and Rama. You want to go to the web address and that is rainbowroundtable.net and there on the home page, as you click on the menu grid, the menu will drop down near the bottom of that list. There's a donate link. Click on that. That'll take you to one with PayPal account. And there you can make a donation in any amount. And so thank you for taking that action. And as you wish to access the friends option, you need to put in Rama's email instead of clicking on that link to put in Go to paypal.com, put in his email to who you're gifting to, and that email address is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at com, oh, 9999 at hotmail.com. And again, Koran, 9999 at hotmail.com. Uh, that just gives you the friends option, which eliminates commercial charges. Either way is perfect. We are so grateful for all of your donations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking that action. Um, and what else? Yes, as you're sending something, let Rama know with an email and use this email address, Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 999 at Comcast.net. And so let them know what you sent when you sent it. And then also, as you need it, the mailing address is as follows. Rom D. Berkowitz, R-A-M-D. Berkowitz, B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z. Post Office Box 280. 
And that is in Santa Cruz, New Mexico. 87567 is the zip code. So, Post Office Box 280, Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567. So, there you have it, all the information. So, again, so much gratitude to all of you. 13 thank yous, honey in the heart, long life, no evil. <laughs> And I'm passing this talking stick. And it is really, really, really scary tonight. It's got goblins and goblins and all kinds of really creepy things. And I don't know. I can't recognize anybody. They're all costumed up, but they're funny as heck. So greetings, Tar and Rama. <laughs> Here comes this talking stick. <laughs> oh Thank you, everyone. We are so grateful to be here. Yeah. I'm not feeling the scary yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> the news is a little scary. I'll put it oh, that Oh, that's way. scary. Yeah. yeah. That, that is scary. Hmm. Oh my gosh. Um, out on a limb. Remember that movie? Yeah. You met her. Shirley MacLaine. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole I other did too. story in here. I mean, where is she? I don't know. <laughs> All we are saying, everybody, is. Let's just uh, know that humanity as a whole has got a message in their hearts, and that is that we want peace. Yes. And uh, it is a simulcast, just to remind all of us. The enactment of the Sara Law is a simulcast with the declaration of world peace everywhere. That is correct. And, uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, the, 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 the most simple way I know how to put this is as we want to interact with the folks Craig was talking about last night, peace needs to be declared so we can look each other in the eye in loving presence and share our, you know, collective wisdom. And uh, the rest of the stuff that's going on is the old timeline. Place Nancy Pelosi and her husband in the circle of support. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff going on. <laughs> and it is about the fact that... Um, Donald Trump's not in jail yet. I'll leave it there. <laughs> it's a big deal. Oh, I kind of disagree with that. That's never going to make any difference. Yeah. It has to be all or nothing at all. Yes. And, and we need to so. just uh, send more love and yeah. uh, be an unconditional divine neutrality as we 
anchor peace in our hearts and on the ground. Yes. No revenge of the Sith. That's not happening, dear. Capiche. <laughs> um, that never works. No. Never, never, never. Mm. Okay, so I guess I'll read this. How's that, Mama? Yeah. And then we're going to play a 12-minute piece closer to the end. Um, but this is what Rama received this day. Um, at 12.15 p.m. early this afternoon, I received a text, uh, a text message from the poppy lady and her friend, Thing Del Noor. That's uh, uh, F I N G and then capital D E L, and then without uh, changing the, you know, not with no space, a capital K N O R R. And she's a 12 foot tall Sasquatch being of light. And were they in our starship? Yes. Where? Over Pakistan. Over Pakistan. Oy, oy, oy. Which is a whole nother story in half. Less than 1% of violations of climate issues, yet they got the dose that, what is ours, 40-some percent almost, mm -hmm. close to half of the... Uh, climate change uh, disruptions are going on in this lovely little place called the United States. Okay, and her friend, Thing Del Noor, they said to me, Lord Rama, we are over Pakistan still helping with food and medicine and supplies and water. Yeah, I remember water. Yes. The watchers, the flood watchers, are slowly receding. There are so many who have lost everything. Just send them more love, everybody. Yeah, the, the psychic and emotional trauma. Uh, they don't talk about this in the news anymore, except Amy brings it up on Democracy Now!, the... Um, PTSD of going through situations like that. Um, it, it's quite intense, so say that much. Mm -hmm. We're all having PTSD at the moment. Yes. In one way or another, things are um, affecting us, and let's. Uh, Pray peace. Let's pray. I agree. <laughs> yeah, love, truth, peace, freedom, justice, and beauty for all it can be. I think that covers it. Simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Love says yes. Okay, so the waters are slowly receding. There are so many who have lost everything. I can tell you, Lord Rama, this is the time and the place where it all changes. We must end the racism inside ourselves. It takes all of us to heal this story. I have been to many lands and I have seen many cultures. The one thing everyone is saying, war is not the answer. In terms of the big story, all the forces of light are here. Happy Samhain. I think uh, Rainbird said it a little more subtly, Samhain. I guess that's okay too. That's probably the right way. And the changing of the seasons. I'm just thinking about South America. It's all springy. Springtime. People are dancing in the grass and the flowers. And we're on the same side of the planet, just a little different uh, north and south uh, latitude and longitude. Um, so yes, and see you in the see you in the light of the most radiant one. Sat Nam Namaste and blaze the violet fire. And I'll just say that we're going to play something. What do you want to say, Ron? Um, this is from Radiant Rose Academy. It's 12 minutes and universal consciousness. I am meditation. Let's do that. Let's do it. And relax. Relax those shoulders. Relax those shoulders down. Let's breathe down into our heart. Let's now just, with a long, slow breath, fill our lungs with God energy. And commuting inwardly. In this meditation, I turn within. I greet the source of my existence. The mother-father presence and consciousness of life that abides within me, around me, and everywhere transcendent. Mother-father, in every meditation that I approach you, I say to you, thy will be done in me and through me. For it is only by thy will being done in me that there is no barrier between my soul and the spiritual dimensions of life that I coexist within. And also as I come to you, I'm very open and receptive in all ways and all principles and all truths that you may desire to reveal yourself in me and through me. 
And as we consciously connect together, and I ask you to open the stream between your infinite and my individualized consciousness. Release such an infusion of your infinite I am consciousness into my individualized consciousness. And bring to life and make active every truth that I am studying, that I am discovering, that is being revealed. And I accept this truth, Mother Father, that I am an infinite, individualized, spiritual being of consciousness. Embodying every right idea. Embodying every right idea. And within this word embodying is the actual manifestation of those right ideas. Mother, Father, as a spiritual being of consciousness embodying every right idea in every area of my life, reveal thyself. Reveal thy intelligent love and thy loving intelligence in this mighty statement, in this truth, that it may become active in my mind, in my heart, in my life, and then active in my physical world of manifestation. I thank you. And I recognize the greatest stream of your infinite consciousness. And always that you will reveal thyself. That all the work for this unfolds in the sacred silence. And therefore, I prepare. I prepare to enter the silence, open and receptive, the sacred silence, suspending my thoughts, listening, open and receptive, and I am ready to receive and eternally grateful in the sacred silence. Maybe you can pull it forward a little bit, darling. Okay. See if that makes a difference. 
Oh, Val, you got it turned off. Yeah. Must be a problem with what they, they don't know what they didn't, they didn't have the sound down. Okay. Is that the uh, 15 minute, the 12 minute piece? Yeah. That's pretty short. Uh, okay. So. So. What do you want to say to the folks here? I just have a sense we're in a very imminent moment of change. I mean, they've got it well planned in their, where is Nancy? That's pretty heavy. Yeah. It is a shift, uh, like all the messages I'm being relayed to that I'm receiving. War is not the answer, and there is a change that is happening worldwide and it's about love there is a song called war is over isn't that the beatles no all we are saying is give peace a chance yeah but there's a song with the words war is over oh um not sure what it is yeah i forget (laughs) but the consciousness of humanity is I'm getting a result. They're saying that. Yeah. Yeah, Kitty's making noise. Uh, never mind them right now. Did you have any kind of chat with on the side with your Faction 3 friends today? No. What I could say in watching the energies that are coming in there were um huge increases of the uh solar radiation and the solar flares are you know on their way as i said yesterday there was a huge corona hole that opened in the sun and you know, in the next 48 hours, expect solar flares. And folks are seeing these columns of light coming down from the sky in all kinds of places around the planet, pillars of light. And I've just seen all kinds of pictures. And this is about the five elements coming into play to change the very nature of the atmosphere itself because of the gold dust and the plasmatic light coming in. After all, we're plasma too, just like the sun. Yeah, taking on a bit of more of a density. Yes, something called plasma, blood, 
hemoglobin. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay, Rob, it's going to go fix the phone so we can talk on the phone. And I would just to say, there's a sense of expectancy in the air uh, for change. And there is anger. And uh, how can I put this? Uh, Ram, I had a talk with Nancy Pelosi in 2006. And she made it very clear that they weren't going to do anything about what she knew about. They were going to do what I would say justifiably what um, what the lowest level of consciousness was going to do on the planet. They we're going to not, not go anywhere where a powerful change. And, of course, it takes a buildup. It takes the humans and all the conditions uh, to find a place of unity consciousness, as we call it where, you know, I know, Rama, did you ask any further about when the guns are going to stop working? That has to do with the actual changing of our uh, physical matter, antimatter in this realm. And uh, let's say... It involves something called magic. <laughs> and the energy of force. And I can't put it any other way because I don't have the words. It's kind of interesting because back at the time of, you were, you know, part of the composite of Merlin. I mean, historically, Merlin created gunpowder. And I'm going, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how does this how does this work? All right, we'll say that we're gonna give the phone numbers to go to our conference call because there's another really big show coming up after this one. So Ramo, what's the phone numbers? Uh seven two zero seven one six seven three zero one and the pin code. Three five three eight six three pound. All right, everybody. So we'll see you on the conference call for the next hour, and then at the top of the following hour, we'll be right back here at BBS Radio, the best radio there is. Period. Bar none. And we're going to keep it that way. <laughs> so, Nasara, now, and we'll Ditto. see you on the conference. <laughs> now, stay, everybody, for now. Now, stay. Thank you.
Hi, Precious Art. Thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. This is a powerful moment for the people in the United States of America. And today we are all being blessed with a powerful new moon solar eclipse. During this critical time, we are being called to a higher service. And we are being presented with the opportunity to change the direction in which this country is headed. Time is of the essence. And in order for this country to fulfill her divine destiny, we must act now. We must get involved and we must respond to the inner promptings of our heart, which seems to keep repeating the refrain, your time is at hand. Through the unified efforts of heaven and earth, lightworkers around the world have God victoriously co-created the divine matrix for a generational changing of the guard. This is something that the company of heaven said we have all been preparing lifetimes to accomplish. Now, day by day, as we move forward in the light, we will be provided many opportunities to hold the sacred space for these young people to come to the fore, to claim their positions as heart-based transformational leaders. In order to change what is happening in the outer world, we do not have to do battle with the forces of imbalance. That particular focus of our attention would interfere with our ability to be the peace commanding presence we need to be at this time. It would actually distract us from fulfilling the divine plan. Buckminster Fuller once said, in order to change an existing paradigm, you do not struggle to try to change the problematic model. You create a new model and make the old one obsolete. That, in essence, is the higher service we are all being called to. We must start by knowing that we are all one. There is no us and them. Every soul who is acting out adversely is still a son or daughter of God, regardless of how far that soul may be from reflecting that truth in his or her behavior pattern. Consequently, every person on earth is our sister or brother. We are interrelated, interconnected, and interdependent, not only with every person on earth, but with every facet of life the whole of creation. It is imperative for us to remember that every man, woman, and child has a spark of divinity pulsating within their heart plane. If that were not true, it could not exist. As we focus our attention on the divine spark within every person's heart, it begins to expand and expand. This allows their I am presence to integrate into their physical, spirit, 
have the ability to co-create this divine plan right here and right now. This is not a colossal feat, but it does involve a deliberate shift in humanity's consciousness. The beings of light in the realms of illumined truth have given specific guidance on what lightworkers can do to assist in co-creating this vitally important facet of the divine plan. It is never the intent of these selfless servants of God to interfere with our free will, so they will not tell us who to vote for or what the result of our elections will be. In fact, they said that there are several variables in these elections that could result in a positive outcome if the candidates would give their I am presence dominion of their thoughts, feelings, words, and actions. What lightworkers all over the world are being asked to do at this time is to be the open door for the light of God. Even though the company of heaven is standing in readiness, they cannot intervene without our permission. Once we ask for their assistance, however, the floodgates of heaven will open in response to our invitation. Because of the miraculous activities of light that have been accomplished since the birth of this decade in 2020 to 2030, the earth and all her life are now vibrating at the highest frequency that we have experienced since our fall from grace eons ago. As hard as this may be to believe, this shift of vibration is allowing the legions of light from systems of worlds beyond our previous experience to assist us. The beings of light are beseeching all of us who are able to vote in these elections to take advantage of the unprecedented opportunity. They have asked us to evaluate the candidates according to our wisdom and our understanding. Then we can ask our I am presence for guidance and illumination. After listening to the inner guidance, we are being asked to vote for the person who resonates in our heart as the one who will bring about the highest good and the divine destiny for this country. Then, after completing the voting process, we can affirm within our hearts, thy will, not mine, be done. Since we are one with all of humanity, we have the ability to serve as surrogates on behalf of every voter in the United States of America. That is true regardless of where we reside on the face of the earth. We have the ability to ask the I am presence of each voter to intervene in his or her voting process, just as we have asked our own I am presence. From now until the midterm elections, 
we will be held in the growing momentum of the powerful eclipse series that is beginning today. As lightworkers, we have the ability to create the sacred space for the right and perfect outcome of this divine plan. The beings of light have given us a very powerful invocation. This will give the company of heaven permission to intervene in powerful ways in this election process in the United States of America. If we will do this invocation, knowing that we are joining in consciousness with lightworkers all over the world who are holding this focus of light with us, our unified efforts will be expanded a thousandfold. This amplification of light is a gift from both the spiritual hierarchy and the legions of light assisting us from other systems of worlds. I will state this invocation in the first person so that each of us will experience it personally in our own life. Simultaneously know that we are invoking this activity of light on behalf of all of humanity. And we begin. I am my I am presence and I am one with the I am presence of every person on earth. As I take a deep holy breath, our I am presences merge into one luminous being of light. Mother Earth and all life evolving upon her are cradled within the heart flame of our unified I am presence. As I continue consciously breathing through our unified I am presence, I realize beloved Mother Earth and all life evolving upon her are breathing in unison with I dedicate this activity of light to the manifestation of divine government, a government of the I am presence, by the I am presence, for the I am presence of every person on earth. I now invoke the great beings of divine government and the beloved ascended masters and galactic beings guarding the evolutions of this planet to blaze the sacred fires of God's will and divine enlightenment in, through, and around the electorate, the candidates, and all governmental officials in the United States of America. Let them feel the power and love nature of our Father, Mother, God and their I Am Presence flowing through them as they vote and elect their candidates 
at national, state, and local levels. Allow this divine intervention to be present as well when they vote on all issues before them. I now seal this invocation in the divine will and comprehensive divine love of our Father, Mother, God. And I decree through all levels of consciousness, victory is ours in love governing this planet. Victory is ours in love governing this planet. Victory is ours in love governing this planet. And so it is, beloved, I am. Dear one, God bless you for your willingness to hold this sacred space for all of us in the United States of America. We look forward to being with you next week. Beloved ones who are accepting and turning your attention towards your own divinity in deep loving acknowledgement and adoration of the magic presence that abides within you and your own I am God presence that abides above you, I, Lord Maitreya, greets you and enfolds you in love's eternal presence this day. Beloved hearts, Perhaps in your distant memories of your God-beingness, you may remember me. I have been known in former times to be a very strict teacher, and your memories of me might not be so fond as you may think they may be. It is not that I only had the great opportunity to teach most of you in the great valley of Mother Himalaya, in past life activity, and to teach and prepare one who walked amongst you not so long ago as Jesus the Christ. Yet I came to and taught in some of the lesser academies of the mystical arts and sciences that were throughout Europe and the Mediterranean in many centuries past. I do believe that you have the awareness today that your beloved mother Akasha's dispensation is much greater than she had hinted first at first. And you are aware that Mother Akasha walked amongst you 25 to 37,000 years ago in her own great civilization that she founded in Delphi, an area in the old lands of Greece. And in her wonderful civilization, she gave rise to spiritual universities and academies and three times a year, Mother Akasha invited those of us who were teaching 
in the ancient Himalayan mystery school to come and walk amongst you. And it is back then that I came as a guest master teacher and taught some of you in those ancient academies. And so, as I return to you this day, what shall I remind you of? What is the great knowledge that sets life free? What is the wonderful acceptance? I say, acceptance of your divinity. This is the great hidden knowledge. And hidden within the I am that you, each of you are, it is the power that each of you have to accept the great master flame of God that abides within your heart, and through that flame to reach up through the power of your attention in loving acknowledgement of your own great God presence and to call forth its light, love, and perfection into your lives. It seems to me, blessed hearts, that there are yet great powers that are to be unleashed into your lives. As each of you now have increased the great esoteric knowledge that for hundreds of years was only available in our mystery schools, in the Himalayas. And in this increase of knowledge, may I gently remind each of you today of the great power that you have, the power that each of you can release into your lives, into your worlds, in your feeling side of life. The power that is yours in acknowledging and loving your own great God presence, the power that can be released. You know, my dear hearts, as it was when I used to teach some of you thousands of years ago, the power of your attention is a mighty thing in loosening the great powers that are in the feminine side of life, the divine feeling side of life. Every master now comes and speaks to you, reminds you of the great power of your attention and how to use your attention for some remarkable results. Your attention is your key in your application. It is everything. And therefore, we will not stop speaking about your attention and how to use it and how you can use your attention in a way to release all the bountiful powers of your presence into your lives. I remember some of you in class thousands of years ago, and I would ask you to hold your attention upon your beloved I am God presence above you. And of course, I could read your thoughts. So anytime your thoughts would begin to drift and to think about something else, I would say, stop it and return your attention to your presence. You all thought I was rather firm, yet within three months of class study and working with me, you began to enjoy my presence more often. When in holding your attention upon your presence fully focused, with a little assistance from Maitreya, you discovered how powerful your attention was in those moments. And soon you realized that through these efforts and through this exercise, 
quite often only a five-minute exercise, you were standing three to four feet above the floor of the school. And as you stood in what seemed to be midair, yet what you were standing on felt as firm as the floor you were standing on a few moments previous. And it is not that it felt any different, but you realized that something had changed and looked down and realized that you had levitated your physical body somewhat. And this is what can happen when you place your attention, the power of your attention upon the great God presence that is both within you, within your heart and above you. And when that attention can be held there and it is not broken, you have poured your love and in the silence then held your attention upon your presence within your heart or above you. It is your incredible feeling body that releases the power that raising your body frequencies whereby oftentimes some levitation can take place. And of course, as you realize the condition you found yourselves in, that you were standing in midair levitating, in that moment, I allowed each of you a moment in that awareness of your body. And in doing so, to take your attention off your presence, to be in a state of wonder as you were levitating, and of course, what is the next thing that happened? Your bodies gently glided back to the floor because you broke off your attention from your presence. Now, and so you have had precious hearts. You've had glimpses back then of the resurrection and the ascension process. <clears throat> that when one's attention is upon God long enough in an unbroken focus. And I'm not speaking hours and hours and hours. I'm speaking minutes and minutes and minutes. And one has prepared their bodies through the sacred breath of life, through good foods and exercise, when one has called the sacred powers of purification into one's mind, body, and world, then the earth is no longer a magnetic stronghold over the body. And the body begins to ascend up the great light glory of the mighty electronic spirit body of your higher self the mighty I am God presence. So with my assistance, I offered you a little taste of the ascension process back then and to help you to understand what you can accomplish with the right use of your attention. And so today I come to remind each of you that through the use of your attention, and the power that is in your feeling body that can, well, perhaps not yet cause the levitation of the physical body, yet it will begin the great vibrational quickening of the very atoms of your body, the harnessing of the super electrons of your physical form that are commonly known as the chakra system, 
the activation of mighty chambers that are in the human brain and the human heart that require more light to be fully activated. And where does that power and light come from? Ultimately, it comes from your God presence by holding your attention there. And as these great transformations take place in your body, and there is such a quickening, will each of you too, like your beloved brother Jesus, go through your own quickening, resurrection, your body will become magnificent, vibrational frequencies. They will go through their own transfiguration. And then you will train yourself how to stay on the earth in these physical bodies that are raised to a higher frequency of divine light and love. You will then begin to harness the powers of nature and the forces of the elements. You will learn how to stay on the earth, even though your ascension could take place, because you are here to serve and to make a new difference in this new seventh golden age as it continues to unfold. And of course, this too depends on your continued spiritual studies and your meditations. Equally, I wish to bring to your attention to invite each of you to realize the condition that you can meet that allows you to unleash and harness the power of your feeling body to bring forth all that you desire and require in your life on earth. And it is to understand that your home world is not really made up of buildings and structures that you live in. Your true home world, blessed hearts, is the, an energetic force field that extends 28 feet out from you in every direction. And even though you may think you live in your home or that your home is, is your world that you live from, your actual world is this energetic force field that goes with you everywhere on this planet. And it is often the shadows and the density that remain in the feeling side of life and the effects of karmic debt, the effects of one's mistakes, that are heavy energies that remain in the energies of one's own world, one's own force field that creates every limitation that you are ever compelled to face. Now, in your awakening, through your attention, studies, use of the sacred fire, your acceptance of the ascended masters, and opening to receive their ascended master blessings that are pouring into your world. This personal force field that I speak of is no longer carrying the density of these things I have spoken into. Your force field is becoming filled with more light, more love, and the wonderful energized intentions that are coming from your newly constructive thinking and feeling. 
So your force fields are improving. Magnificent, precious hearts. The more you turn your attention to your presence, the more your presence can pour its cosmic light, its divine love, its strength and power into those force fields. The power of your presence, the power of your attention, and the power of the gift you have to qualify your own magnificent life force that comes down from your higher selves, the mighty I am, passing through the brain and anchoring into your hearts as it comes into your beautiful forms and you use this life energy for experience and manifestations in your worlds, it is your power to understand that through this magnificent gift called attention, that you are feeding your life energy into a thing. It is and requires a great strong soul, requires lifetimes of facing yourself, drawing all lost aspects of your life together, severing your ties with the lower dense states of consciousness of humanity, that you begin a path of greater responsibility, of greater accountability. And when you realize where you realize that it is ultimately up to you, there is no greater knowledge that any of us can present that is going to set you free unless you use it and apply it in your life. I find that there is not yet a deep enough remembering and a knowing that through the power of your attention, you are feeding your energy into what you are holding your attention upon. And therefore, I wish to confront you, if you will, in a loving way, inviting each of you to realize, because you are strong enough to face this great truth, you may not like the truth, but you are strong enough to face it. If there is lack and limitation of some kind in my life, then there is that which is in my personal consciousness and feelings. There is that which I, through the use of my attention and acceptance, have fed my energy into that is producing those conditions in my life. So I started this part of my discourse by suggesting that I do not feel there is a deep enough remembering and knowing that through the power of your attention, you are feeding your energy into what you're holding your attention upon. You know this. You know this in your surface mind. How many times must the Ascended Masters speak to you about your attention and how it works? So you have an intellectual understanding but you've got to take this understanding that exists in your surface mind and take it deeper, take it deep inside you. Hold this truth deep inside you. Take it under your, take it below your surface mind. 
to more to the feeling side of life and make yourself remember and know that through the power of your attention, you are feeding your energy into what you're holding your attention upon. If you know this from a deeper place within you, you will become more observant and more conscious if your attention is upon some idle thing or your attention is upon something that you certainly do not wish to experience or manifest in your life. So, beloved heart, I also feel that part of you may be still accepting that there are conditions in your life that you cannot change. Well, you can. And of course, the first place that change takes place is within oneself. You know these things. And as you make change within yourself, you have a change of mind, a change of heart, you can begin to change conditions in your outer world. You know, you can often say when speaking of the limitations or appearances in your life, you could say to me, well, Maitreya, I didn't consciously think of this and that, and yet this and that showed up in my life. And well, I will say, the more your consciousness is a portrait of human thoughts and feelings that are negative and positive, then your consciousness is one with the consciousness duality of humanity, in which it is a world of both negative and positive experience. Yet, of course, within all of this, there is the learning process, and there is the process of choice and the process of renewal. It is why no longer do you want to be one with the duality consciousness of humanity. Yes, be one with the heart of humanity. Be one with the eternal breath of humanity. Be, be one with the evolutionary evolution process of humanity. But in truth, you want to be one with the consciousness of your own great God being that abides within you and above you. You want to remember the knowledge that is given you and also remember that as your consciousness is expanding with much greater knowledge at this time, that consciousness must access your feeling body. The consciousness of anything you are coming to understand must get into your feeling side of life because it's your feeling body that empowers your evolving states of consciousness into your physical reality. And with the turmoil that is in the world now, I'm asking each of you to do what you can to not split the power of your attention. Do not divide the power of your attention. Become more single focused. You decide what you will place your attention upon. And don't let world affairs decide for you. It does not matter. It does not matter what you have been. It does not matter what you have been in other lifetimes. This is the most important life you have ever lived. 
And when a part of your attention is focused on what you have done in other lives, your attention is split. And then through the power of your attention, you have the ability to draw what is in other lives back into this life. And you draw it from the etheric records that are in the atmosphere of your earth. You do not have to do it this way. Remember what you have been taught. Because in the teachings, you have discovered that you have this great glorious I am God presence above you. And you have discovered that in the great rays of color that enfolds your God presence up there is the mighty causal body. And it is the causal body where all the positive activity of every lifetime you've ever lived is stored. So why do you need to split your attention and focus on lifetimes past when all the good from those past lives is stored in the causal body of your presence? And your presence is waiting to release it into your outer life when you acknowledge it and call forth that constructive past life activity that's been stored in the causal body of your beloved presence to come back to you and be placed in your feeling side of life where you can make real that past life constructive activity if you so choose. For some, the spiritual path seems a difficult path, yet it is not. It is very important regardless of what spiritual path that you have chosen, that we honor all spiritual paths, all paths of a general inclination, a general raising and lifting activity that eventually takes us all to the top of the mountain. But they are different paths and they must all be honored. Once you, and you can call upon your presence, Your presence loves to answer you. You can call upon your presence and its selective discriminating intelligence to stand guard over you. Yes, you can call upon your great God presence so that its selective discriminating intelligence to stand guard of you. Do you know why you desire to do that? Because your presence is not cognizant of any of the problems in your life. Oh, good grief, you say. Your presence is a being of absolute majesty and perfection. And perfection does not know imperfection. It cannot even consider it. Do you know, my dear sons and daughters of light, that the I am God presence of some of you is actually right now in this moment working in such mighty activities of the continued evolution and building of our universe. And that often we, those of us who are ascended, we will go and commune with the I am presence of each of you. And do you know that every ascended master being bows before the majesty of the unascended 
humankind's presence. That is how we see the presence of each of you. And your presence is not in this world because this is an imperfect world. The only way your presence is in this world is that some of its magic presence through the unfed flame is stored within your physical heart. Yet, your presence offers you another means because of the separation. Your presence offers you another means to contact it. And this other means we refer to as your higher discriminating intelligence. This understanding of self is perhaps more presently known as the Christ self, the Christ mind, or the higher mental body. And you can call upon your presence to provide its discriminating intelligence, its Christ self, to stand guard over your life and to release from your presence all the perfection that you require. If you will call upon your presence through your higher Christ mind to empower you and take charge of the power of qualification. What if, my dear sons and daughters of light, what if your Christ mind right now could take command of your senses and faculties, take command of your power of qualification, because that power goes hand in hand with the power of your attention. It means that you would become so raised with cosmic light and the presence of divine love from your presence, you are so vibrationally quickened that those higher vibrational frequencies and energies that are growing within you and around you, there is no possibility of you entering into negative or discordant thought or feeling vibration any longer. And then the same of that, which is in the outer world, touches you less and less and less. And so today, I ask you to call upon your Christ selves to take charge through you the power of qualification and the power of your attention to silence all former concepts and habits that make the mind always go back to that which is negative, that which is worry, that which is anxiety, that which is too much concern. Remember, it is through your mind that you hold your attention upon a thing. If you worry upon a thing, if this is how you use the power of your attention, then you feed that thing more energy and it becomes worse. Humanity is not ready for these great truths. If I say to you, do you think any ascended being is unaware of those individuals who are on your earth today, whose desires, 
whose plans are absolutely destructive to the rest of the humanity? You think we're unaware? Of course we're not. We know. We know. And there are reasons all of you are on the earth today. We cannot be a counterforce. We cannot counteract individuals on your planet who have destructive desires for humanity. The great cosmic law does not allow us to interfere. It is all of you. All of you who are awakening. All of you who are seeking your freedom and to understand life and to put yourselves together again for this great journey. It is you, the constructive and awakening part of humanity that must be the counteracting force, if you will, to those who have destructive plans. It is why we come to you, allows us to commune with you and to give you some great assistance, some gentle remembrance of the natural laws of life. Then when you allow us in, we can strengthen you with our presence and our power. At no time do you ever want to care what you have been or the mistakes that you have made. You don't want to waste your time with the past. You want to embrace love, mercy, and forgiveness and the sacred fires of purification and set your life free in this moment today. You want to realize that the power of God, each of you are now transmitting, now into this world. It makes no difference. If you stop giving your power away to human appearances and take your stand, you have no power. You've got to begin to say to the world of limited appearances, you have no power. Stand down right now. And you have to do this sometime every day so that you gain a momentum. If you're going to break up the seeming power of limiting appearances, and when you can stand in that sovereignty of your own God being and hold your attention there, do you think it is too much that any of us are asking you to hold unbroken attention upon God? Do you think you are being asked too much? The present and the future is so mightily important. And with all the blemishes and difficulties of the past, whether caused by you or suffered by you, only love, only love will take care of that. We must love any darkness that has touched our life so that we can set it free. And yet if you could hold five minutes of your attention, it's got to be as pure as possible and you've got to practice. But if you could have five minutes, then that you are releasing, where you are releasing the perfection and the life of your God presence down into your heart and from your heart into your world. What a way to serve life. Now, some of you have challenged us and you have said, betrayer, 
Mother Akasha, Kutumi, and you have said, we imagine the students in the former mystery schools, it must have been much easier for them. You recruited those initiates from the world. They loved God. They were seeking higher truth. You overlighted them and you prompted them to find the mystery school deep within the mountains where you would take care of those students. They had no cares. They didn't have the pressure of the world like we have today. And I will say to you, that is the truth. Yet, those who gain their ascension in that time will not have the same glory of those of you who find your freedom in an unfree world. Those who have faced this world. The greatest personal triumphs in life, my loved ones, is to find your freedom in the darkness. To be a light, to be a candle, to be a flame where darkness exists. To be a force for freedom and to take your freedom in a world where freedom is not a commodity of life. Your freedom, your glory, your victory in these years because your victory must be felt, it must be experienced out in the streets of daily life. This is where your victory must be, and therefore your victory will be celebrated as much greater victories than any of us that achieved our freedom and ascension, being cradled in the Himalayas and the light of God, not having to face a world of darkness in which so many of you find yourselves living at this time. So I ask you to place within your consciousness. Your consciousness is much more cooperative than it has ever been to make a powerful decision Life is much more natural than I ever thought it was. Intelligence and love is everywhere. Can I really afford, as I begin to release the greater power and light of God through this life that I have been given, can I really afford to place my attention upon negative and limiting things? Now that I have this knowledge that what I place my attention upon intensely enough, I feed my energy into that. Do I want to do that? Do I want to give my energy to that which is of lack and limitation? It is your time, a time for mastery in your life. A time to finish healing your wounds, dear hearts, to love every aspect of your being, even aspects that sometimes were more negative than positive, and set your life free. It is a time for greater love now. 
You have found there is a mighty presence of God that is above you, and its presence abides in your heart. It is your source, it is your light, it is your love, it is your power, it is your true identity, it is your freedom, it is your perfection. And you have found that you can call upon all of that to be released into this life that you are living. Yet you do require the sacred fires of purification because all that light and love and perfection and freedom that abides within your presence, and it is your right to have that so that it is present in your daily life, to use it every day in life's circumstances. Yet that perfection cannot come down and through your physical heart, your physical form and out into the world as long as there is too much impurity in your outer self. And that is why whatever spiritual path that you have chosen, chances are good that you have discovered the sacred fire that you have come to know of the mighty Saint Germain and why it is that you are encouraged to enter into his violet flame for 10 to 15 minutes every day so that you can maintain as much purification in your multi-body system and the energy force field that you live within. If you could catch these few thoughts that your home is not really the building that you live in. Your home is the world that you live in. And the world that you live in is the wonderful energy force field that radiates out from your body in every direction up to 28 feet. It is really not so difficult to understand that when there is chaos in oneself, when there is discord and fright and fear and negativity and other discordant human qualities, then that is what the feeling body is charging your world, and the atmosphere pressure around your body. And once there's plenty of that in your own energy force field, you have created all the obstacles that you need to ensure that the light of your own great God presence and his blessings never get down into you and expand, producing the blessings in your body and your feelings and blessings in your world. Many people's limitations are fully charged energy systems that are the atomic force field that radiates out from the human form. If you could be so raised that the cosmic law gave us permission to raise your sight and we ask you to look at the energy of your world, the energy of the force field that radiates out from you, you would see a combination of negative and positive energy. You would see some clouds in your energy that represent discordant thoughts and images and feelings that you have allowed in your mind or feelings or that you have transmitted out into the world. And you would realize that it is that negative discordant energy in the atmosphere around your body, out to 28 feet from you, that is making sure that you have 
a limitation of opportunities. It is that energy that says no to you. It is that energy that is creating limitations in the world. And yet, through your love and attention to your presence, to the light and the love of your divinity, your use of the sacred fire, every one of you have the opportunity now and are well on your way to make the energy force field of your world be filled with so much light and love and happiness and power the world will soon come to know. Indeed, the Christ is coming again. Through the lives of each of you who will make it so. And I, Maitreya, will as ever much be your friend as was my divine friendship with Jesus the Christ. So you see, my dear hearts, Mother Akasha has asked you to accept the greater knowledge of your beloved great God self and has asked you to hold your attention upon the presence of God. Mighty Saint Germain has asked you to call upon him to produce the violet flame within and around you and into the energy of your world so that all that energy can be purified. Then when you call forth the great perfection and the gifts and the blessings of your great God presence into yourself and out into your world, there is no longer anything that could possibly interfere with that happening. These are just a few little gems that I come in this broadcast to offer you. You are our dear friends of the light. Take our hand. Let us travel this path home to God together. Namaste, beloved roses. Namaste, namaste, namaste. We are all servants of peace. That was wonderful, everyone. Thank you, Rama, for playing that radiant rose. All right, here we go. Okay, Tigger put the icing on that cake. <laughs> Greetings, Mother. Radiant in the light of the most radiant one in the office of the Christ 
and only in the office of Christ. We invoke the loving energies of Saint Germain and the Violet We ask at this time for greater awareness in all beings of peace in the world, in the hearts and minds of all, of uh, a choice to negotiate <laughs> uh, and uh, to uh, carry the uh, nimbleness of the cat in this world through, you might say, dangerous territory these days. And Mother, I'm sure you've got some words of wisdom for the situation here. I pass the talking stick to you. Greetings. Greetings. Children of Ra. Yes. Amazing times we are living in. As more and more of all the nine realms coming into focus here. So much activity going on has to do with the changing of the guard as Patty has described. We can say, yes, it is a bit hairy out there. It is. <laughs> and it's about love. Like Lord Maitreya spoke about attention goes where energy flows. As you use the force, as this guy calls it, can do amazing things like he spoke about. This is the time, the place where it all changes right now. The shift of the ages is at hand and it's about us waking up to who we are. That simple. 
yet. The illusions of the matrix make it quite difficult to remember who we are at times. This is why it is good to do your meditation, our meditations, every day. Work with the higher frequencies of the light pouring in. Right now, we are in a period of energy that we can say it's about working with divine government, like Patty described. There are good folks within your halls of law. Yet, it has been corrupted from within by the deep state. And let's say as the ripples continue ripples of energy and go out across the galaxy. All these ones who have sealed their fate it is unfolding as it should. Yes, the Draco shuttle is on its way. So we will deal with our children, so to speak, taking them to Draco's. Right now, as we could focus our attention on sending more love, peaceful vibration frequencies to the situations at hand. very much desperate to distract from accountability which is taking place. 
we could do what Lord Maitreya spoke about every day. Use the energies of the force, your attention. Levitations not out of the picture. The Siddhas Jedi abilities we all have. All it takes using your attention to work with the energies within these living temples of magnificent radiance. As we do this each day, the abilities manifest more and more. And right now, let's say everybody's being called to active duty, especially in this moment, as in a few days, the crack between the two worlds opens up. Beltane on the down under All Hallows Eve in the Northern Hemisphere. The collector of souls is at hand. It is about the party of the old energies sending them on in this great Sabbath that is occurring. We can say with great certainty the magnetic frequencies of the relationship between the sun and earth are only getting more intricate. And as things rapidly unfold with the transfiguration of the sun, Bliss is the order of the day. <laughs> yes. No, it's quite late. Rah, mother, you gotta talk louder than that. Thought it work. We know it's quite late. 
and and go on the mission. Better be on our way. Now energies are as high as cosmic law will allow these bodies to absorb these energies coming in. That's why we continue to say, drink lots of water and focus on sending love and divine compassion to the darkest spots on this planet. It is not that they're dark. The clouds of war are dissipating. Cannot, they are, Mother. That's, that's true. They are. Cannot continue to have that consciousness and expect nothing could happen. Everything about this current moment we are in that is so significant that relates to the same period, 26,826 years ago. Climate disruption, conflict, consciousness. We have the power to do this transition in love and balance. Let that guide you on your ways. <coughs> In your light of the most radiant ones. Thank you, Mother. Kadosh. 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 Adonai Sabayah. Kadosh. 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 Adonai Sabayah. Kadosh. 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 Adonai Sabayah. Iliahu, 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 Yode, Ode, Adonai Vasu, Maraga. Remember who we are. Yeah, you too. You remember who you are. <laughs> Okay, one moment here, everybody. Oh.
Greetings, Rama. Tigger <laughs> <Tigger> was uh <coughs> the tenor in the group here. Mm hmm. <laughs> Always need a tenor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Where were you? Um I was being called to Mount Kailash and just listened to the song of Shiva and the wind and the frequencies pouring in. Very cold and it, it's about the changing of the frequencies here. Big stuff coming in. That's true, Mark. I passed the talking stick. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, it's about the truth coming in. It is. It's a very big deal when folks like AOC and Jamie Raskin have a conversation with Chris Hayes about what's going on here and um, I know for a fact St. Germain is in charge of this story and the outcome is peace and love. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they expect Nancy Pelosi's husband to fully recover. Let's keep that one. Yeah. But it's, uh, how do we say this? We left a whole bunch of stuff out up until this moment, Ooh. you might say. Yeah. Uh, Empire. Okay, here we go, everybody. Changing gear. From New York, this is Democracy Now! In this midterm election, American democracy hangs in the balance. Our vote is going to determine whether we have control over our own bodies, whether we are able to vote and have our votes count, whether we will have a clean environment, whether we will be able to live into our fullness. With the midterm elections 10 days away, we go to Georgia to speak to Emory Professor Carol Anderson about what's at stake in this pivotal election that will decide who controls Congress. Plus, we talk to Ari Berman about his new Mother Jones cover story, how Wisconsin became the GOP's laboratory for dismantling democracy. We're at a very scary time for democracy, where people that don't believe in free and fair elections 
could take over our election system. And what happens in states like Wisconsin in 2022 will determine whether we have fair elections in 2024. Then Florida voting rights activist Desmond Mead and how Republican Governor Ron DeSantis is attempting to scare former felons away from voting by using his newly formed election police force to arrest people on trumped up voter fraud charges. Oh, oh my God. All that and more coming up. Welcome to Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. Russian President Vladimir Putin said Thursday, the world faces the most dangerous and unpredictable decade since the end of World War II, even as he insisted the war in Ukraine was going according to plan. Over the course of a four-hour appearance at a foreign policy conference in Moscow, Putin said Russia stands ready for a negotiated end to the conflict in Ukraine, but insisted Ukraine and its allies are not willing to engage in diplomacy. He also railed against Western powers, comparing them to Nazi Germany. The disintegration of the Soviet Union destroyed the balance of geopolitical powers. The West felt it was the victor and declared a unipolar world order in which only its will, its culture, its interests had the right to exist. Now, this historic period of Western dominance in world affairs is coming to an end. In Kyiv, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky warned in a televised address Thursday much of Ukraine will face extended blackouts after Russia launched a series of attacks on energy infrastructure. Zelensky spoke from a darkened street next to the wreckage where he said was an Iranian-made drone used in recent assaults. He said Ukraine had shot down 300 of the drones and that Russia has launched more than 8,000 airstrikes and 4,500 missiles since it invaded in February. The Biden administration Liar, liar, pants on fire, everybody. Zelensky did it all. Administration has released its nuclear power posture review for 2022 with anti-nuclear groups warning the document will do little to prevent the threat of a catastrophic war. The document proposes cutting some programs like a submarine-launched nuclear cruise missile system begun under former President Trump. However, the White House is pressing ahead with a so-called modernization plan aimed at upgrading the U.S. arsenal, currently estimated about 5,400 nuclear warheads. Last year, the Congressional Budget Office estimated those programs will cost more than $630 billion this decade alone. The Union of Concerned Scientists said in a statement, quote, President Biden could have used the nuclear posture review to dramatically decrease the risk of nuclear war by declaring that the United States will never start a nuclear war and ending the president's sole authority to launch a nuclear strike. These changes would immediately reduce the risk of a misunderstanding, miscalculation, or flat-out mistake leading to a world-changing nuclear war, they oh. said. Voters in Brazil head to the polls Sunday for a runoff election that pits far-right President Jair Bolsonaro against former leader Luis Inácio Lula da Silva. Polls have shown Lula with a slender but consistent lead ahead of the vote. Bolsonaro's son, Rio State Senator Flavio, 
Bolsonaro claimed his father was the victim of, quote, the greatest electoral fraud ever seen, unquote. Attempts by the Bolsonaro family and their allies to sow doubt over the election have added to fears that Bolsonaro will attempt to stage a coup d'etat if he loses. Those concerns grew this week after authorities in Rio de Janeiro charged a former Congress member and Bolsonaro ally with attempted murder after he attacked federal police officers with a rifle and grenade as they sought to arrest him Sunday. Bolsonaro has since tried to distance himself from the former Congress member, Roberto Jefferson, even though several photographs taken in 2020 show the pair laughing and smiling together. Meanwhile, environmentalists fear what a Bolsonaro victory could mean for the climate crisis. Os brasileiros vão fazer agora nas urnas what Brazilians do now at the polls is much more than a change of president. These are fundamental choices for our country, choices for the future. We will choose whether we stay with democracy or not. We will have to choose if we keep the Amazon alive or if we keep Bolsonaro. It's a choice between the two. It's not going to be possible to have both at the same time. Canada has sent a delegation to Haiti to assess security and humanitarian concerns as Haiti faces worsening political instability and gang activity. Canada's Foreign Minister and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau met with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken in Ottawa Thursday as the two countries push for an international armed intervention in Haiti. Haitians have taken to the streets in recent weeks denouncing foreign aid and occupation, saying the U.S. and other foreign powers have contributed to the destabilization of Haiti. Protesters are also demanding the resignation of the U.S. vacation Prime Minister Ariel Henry. Meanwhile, a group of Democratic senators, led by Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey, are urging the Biden administration to expand and extend temporary protected status, that's TPS, for Haitians as thousands continue to flee to the United States. Haiti's current TPS designation expires in February. The Biden administration has continued to mass deport Haitian asylum seekers, including children, despite widespread shortages of food, water, and other vital resources. In related news, hundreds of thousands of immigrants from El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Nepal who have TPS are at risk of deportation after negotiations with the Biden administration to expand the relief collapsed earlier this week. Talks have been ongoing for over a year as part of litigation demanding the U.S. government redesignate TPS for more than 260,000 people. In 2020, a federal appeals court reversed an injunction from 2018 that had blocked termination of their relief. That decision is not yet final as plaintiffs await another hearing, but people could lose their protections as early as the end of the year if the Biden administration continues to defend the Trump-era decision. In Austin, Texas, families of victims of the massacre in Uvalde packed a public safety commission meeting Thursday to demand the resignation of Texas's top law enforcement official over the botched police response during the mass shooting and the mishandling of the investigation that followed. Newly released body cam footage shows Texas law enforcement officers at Robb Elementary School on May 24th acknowledging they should confront the gunman but saying they were afraid of getting shot. 19 students and two of their teachers were killed that day as over 70 minutes passed before police finally entered the fourth grade classroom and killed the gunman. Democratic State Senator Roland Gutierrez, who represents Uvalde, spoke at Thursday's meeting. No help arrived. 
We'll never know how many children could have been saved. Two, three, four. A few died on the way to the hospital. Evan Mirelis died on the way to the hospital. The actions by DPS in the aftermath of the shooting are nearly as egregious as their inaction on May 24th. To see our interview with Texas State Senator Gutierrez, go to democracynow.org. Elon Musk has reportedly closed his $44 billion purchase of Twitter and has fired the company's top executives, including its CEO and CFO. Musk changed his Twitter bio to read Chief Twit and tweeted, quote, the bird is freed late Thursday. Twitter employees have expressed fears Musk would slash its existing workforce by 75%. Meanwhile, many are expecting Elon Musk to reinstate Donald Trump's account, which was permanently suspended after the January 6th insurrection. In New Jersey, a federal prosecutor has issued dozens of subpoenas in a wide-ranging criminal investigation involving several people, including U.S. Senator Robert Menendez. That's according to NBC News, which reports the investigation also involves a company that's authorized by the government of Egypt to certify exports of halal food worldwide. Menendez is a Democrat and chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. In 2017, prosecutors dropped corruption charges against him after a jury couldn't agree on a verdict. In that case, Senator Menendez was accused of influence peddling on behalf of a New Jersey ophthalmologist in exchange for flights on a private jet, luxury, hotel stays, and six-figure campaign contributions. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control is warning communities of color are far less likely to benefit from potentially life-saving treatments for COVID-19. A CDC study released Thursday found African-American and Latinx patients received the antiviral drug Paxilvid more than 30 percent less often than white patients, even though people of color in the U.S. are about twice as likely to be hospitalized with COVID. This comes as U.S. coronavirus hospitalizations have begun to increase for the first time since July. In Uganda, more than a dozen people, including six school children, have tested positive for the Ebola virus in the capital, Kampala. It's part of a new outbreak of the disease, which has seen over 100 confirmed infections and 30 deaths in Uganda since the first case emerged in September. It's the fifth outbreak of Ebola in Uganda since 2000. In Pakistan, tens of thousands of people attended the funeral of prominent journalist Arshad Sharif in Islamabad Thursday. Sharif was killed by police in Kenya Sunday in what authorities claim was a case of a mistaken identity. Sharif had fled Pakistan just two months before his death to avoid arrest following a series of criminal charges over his criticism of the Pakistani military and the government of Prime Minister Shabazz Sharif, who rose to power after the ouster of Imran Khan. Arshad Sharif had been living in hiding in Kenya. Supporters are demanding justice for Sharif and a thorough independent investigation into his killing. Pakistan has a history of media suppression and violence against journalists and critics often blame the military. In the Philippines, landslides and flooding have killed at least 31 people while others remain missing as rains from tropical storm Nalgi lash the central and southern Visayas and Mindanao regions. Authorities warn more flooding could be on its way as the storm makes landfall this weekend in northern Philippines and in Mexico. Same-sex marriage is now legal across the whole country after the states of Guerrero and Tamaulipas legalized marriage equality this week.
same-sex couples can now get married in all 32 Mexican states. This is LGBTQ positive activist Denise Mercado celebrating the news Wednesday. Amorita said yes to marriage, said yes to love, and yes to our families, and also that we have the same rights as other families. We are not, quote, unnatural. On the contrary, we have existed throughout history. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. Former President Barack Obama's campaigning in Georgia today in an effort to help Democrats in the closely watched Georgia Senate and gubernatorial races. Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock is in a tight race with Herschel Walker, a Trump-backed anti-abortion Republican who's been immersed in numerous scandals, ranging from reports he paid girlfriends to have abortions to lying to his own staff about the number of children he secretly had. On Thursday, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer was heard on a hot mic telling President Biden the race is, quote, going downhill for the Democrats. Meanwhile, polls show Democrat Stacey Abrams is trailing Georgia's Republican Governor Brian Kemp in a rematch of their 2018 gubernatorial race. In the coming days, Obama is also scheduled to campaign in Michigan, in Wisconsin, and Nevada, and Pennsylvania, all key battleground states. Meanwhile, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris are holding a rare joint campaign event in Pennsylvania today to help boost Democratic senator or Senate candidate John Fetterman, who's in a close race with the Trump-backed Mehmet Oz. Democrats are hoping to capitalize on Oz's comment at this week's debate that abortion should be decided between, quote, women doctors, local political leaders. Meanwhile, questions continue to swirl about Fetterman's health as he recovers from a stroke suffered just days before the primary. With the midterms less than two weeks away, today we spend the hour looking at what's at stake and what it could mean for the 2024 presidential race. The Washington Post recently reported 291 Republicans on the ballot in congressional and statewide races have denied or questioned the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. We begin in Georgia, where we're joined by Carol Anderson, professor at Emory University, author of the second, Race and Guns in a Fatally Unequal America. She's also the author of One Person, No Vote, How Voter Suppression is Destroying Our Democracy, and White Rage, the Unspoken Truth of Our Racial Divide. Professor Anderson, it's great to have you back on Democracy Now! Can you talk about, first, the broad picture What's at stake in these midterm elections? And then talk about where you are in the state of Georgia that could determine so much. What's at stake is American democracy. Because as you know that there are 291 election deniers on the ballot. And these are the folks who are really fine with the big lie that there was this massive rampant voter fraud that stole the election from Donald Trump and refuse to acknowledge that there is no evidence of widespread rampant voter fraud. Instead, what they've, they've done is they've conjured up these notions of people of color stealing the election, stuffing ballot boxes, stuffing drop boxes, um, forging absentee ballots, the whole nine yards without evidence, the kind of not evidence that uh, led to Rudy Giuliani having his law license suspended 
from New York and Washington, D.C. So when you have these folks on the ballot, it means that if they gain control and they're running for the governorship, they're running as the secretary of state, they're running for attorney general. What that means is that these are the folks who have their hands on the levers of power that determine how an election is certified. And so it, it's like that the after 2020, that this was a dry run as they tried fake electors, as they tried, as the Trump folks tried putting enormous pressure on these state officials. And you had some state officials who, who said, no, we're not doing that because they were trying to erase millions and millions of votes for Joseph Biden. And if they win, it means then that the certification of elections for 2024, the presidential election, cannot really be certified because they are going to put in power who they want, not who the people have voted for. So let's talk about the races in Georgia. First, let's go to Kemp versus Stacey Abrams. Now, and the national significance, even of this gubernatorial race, it's a rematch. Um, and I think Kemp has very much been portrayed nationally um, as uh, the person, the Republican who stood up along with the secretary of state in Georgia to President Trump um, to around the issue of the 2020 election. Um, but in Georgia, can you talk about his history with voter suppression? Right. You know, so when Brian Kemp was the Secretary of State, he went after a group of, of black women in Quitman, Georgia, because they had discerned how to use absentee ballots, and they were able then to gain uh, access. They were able to win elections to the school board. And so voter fraud, voter fraud, voter fraud was plastered by Brian Kemp. And you see the newspaper that has what's called equipment 10 plus two uh, above the fold, all in their orange traveling jumpsuits, just making it really clear. Black folks use absentee ballots. It must be fraudulent. And he brought the Georgia Bureau of Investigation in there to, to, to investigate this voter fraud. There were no convictions. The charges were dropped. But these women went through four years of, of hell um, of, 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 and then losing their jobs. And, and, and this was the pressure, the intimidation that Brian Kemp brought onto these women. He also did the same thing with the New Georgia Project and with Fair Fight. Again, charging voter fraud, voter fraud, voter fraud. And these are organizations that are about really registering folks to vote, those who had not been in the system, the marginalized. And so you see this pressure. So we've got Brian Kemp on tape saying, you know, these groups are all out here registering all these minorities to vote. And if they show up in November, we will lose. And so you get the sense where the Secretary of State has identified minorities as the way that the Republicans will lose. Let's turn to Stacey Abrams at a debate against Brian Kemp earlier this month. 
Let's be clear about ballot access and voter access. Brian Kemp was the Secretary of State, and he has assiduously denied access to the right to vote. We know that the right to vote is the only way that we can make the changes we need in the state, the only way we can make the changes we need in this country, whether it's access to the right to an abortion, the ability to take care of our families. We need a governor who believes in access to the right to vote and not in voter suppression, which is the hallmark of Brian Kemp's leadership. Your response? She nailed it. Absolutely. Um, one of the key pieces that he did was the massive voter roll purges, over half a million in one fell swoop. Um, and then in October of 2018, on the last day of voter registration, using a racially discriminatory policy called exact match, removed 53,000 voters from the rolls. Yeah. And fewer than 10% of those that he removed were white. The vast majority, 70%, were African-American. And this is a month before the, the, the election date between him and, and Stacey Abrams in 2018. So I want to turn to the senatorial race. Um, the new ad by Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock about his opponent, Herschel Walker. Raphael Warnock and I approve this message. For you, Herschel Walker wants to ban abortion. I have no exception in my mind because I believe in life. That's not a national ban on abortion right now, and I think that's a problem for himself. Herschel Walker paid for an abortion for his then-girlfriend. She supported her claims with a $575 receipt from the abortion clinic. Even his own son is saying Walker is lying. Is that your signature? No. Yes, sir. So that's the ad. Um, and by the way, another woman has come forward to claim anti-abortion Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker pressured her into having an abortion as well. She's unidentified. She said it happened in the 90s while they were dating and that Walker drove her to the clinic to have the procedure. On Wednesday, her lawyer, Gloria Allred, spoke to the press about her client's allegations and played audio tape of the woman. Herschel Walker is a hypocrite. And he is not fit to be a U.S. Senator. We don't need people in the U.S. Senate who profess one thing and do another. Herschel Walker says he is against women having abortions, but he pressured me to have one. And the significance, of course, of this, Professor Anderson, is that he supports a almost total ban on abortion. Uh, so talk about this race overall, which doesn't just involve abortion, though it's certainly this issue has come front and center. His son has come out against him. He talked about um, being a police officer, showing a sheriff's badge. Well, you can lay it out for us. Wow. And, and so what we have to remember is that Herschel Walker was tapped by Donald Trump when Herschel Walker was living in Texas to run for the U.S. Senate here in Georgia. And so it's so cynical because Raphael Warnock is African-American. And so you can see in the kind of cynicism of, of Donald Trump, well, Herschel Walker is black and he was a big football star at Georgia. Let's pit him against Raphael Warnock. They won't be able to tell the difference. There is a fundamental qualitative difference between the two. Yeah. Herschel Walker lies. 
He lied about his graduation. He lied about his businesses. He lied about being a law enforcement officer, about being in the FBI. He lies, he lies, he lies. And remember when the issue about how many children he had started coming out, there was an incredible report about how his staff had asked him, are there any more children? He's like, no. And then another one would pop up. Are there any more children? No. And then another one would pop up. And so his own staff didn't trust him. Yet they're asking us to vote for him, to trust him with our lives in the U.S. Senate. And so what we're seeing here is that Herschel Walker really plays to the stereotype of who the Republicans believe African-American men are, that they're sexually promiscuous, that they're violent, because you know, he held a gun to his wife's head and threatened to blow her brains out. Whoa. That they are liars, that they aren't smart. They're all brains, no, they're all brawn, no brains. I mean, all of these stereotypes and what they know about Herschel Walker is that he is pliable, that he will do what they say. So with those stereotypes, they've got all of the horrible stereotypes and they've got that actual stereotype coming back from the slavery days of being compliant. Um, and, and that is who they're trying to foist upon us in this election. And what this means for who controls the Senate and because what we know about the control of the Senate is that we're, that's where judiciary appointments are, are, are come through. We know that that's where voting rights come through and were blocked this last time. We know that that's where the right to reproductive rights comes through. And so who controls the Senate has so much to do about the quality of the lives that we will be able to lead and to to foist Herschel Walker up there as a viable candidate is unconscionable. And of course, it was Georgia that determined the balance of the Senate this time around, with both Senators Ossoff and Warnock winning, um, uh, to the surprise of many last time around. Um, I also want to bring Ari Berman into this conversation, one of the leading journalists covering voting rights, reporter at Mother Jones, author of Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America. Ari, uh, before we go to our second segment with you to talk about Wisconsin, if you can talk more about, you're just back from Georgia, um, what you found as you um, traveled there. Well, thank you for having me again, Amy, and great to be on uh, with Carol. Uh, one of the things that happened is that in the last year, uh, Georgia passed a law that severely restricted voting rights. And this has led to a lot of uncertainty in the states. We saw that vote by mail has gone down dramatically in Georgia during this election. Part of that is because some people are going to vote in person now that we're in a different phase of the pandemic. But it's also because vote by mail has become a lot more difficult now than it was before. We've seen tens of thousands of voters have their eligibility challenged by Trump-backed election deniers, which has led to a major level of uncertainty in terms of whether votes will be counted. A lot of people are voting early, which is a good thing. There's been record early voting turnout. But then that record early voting turnout has been spun by Republicans to say, oh, there's record turnout, there's no such thing as voter suppression, 
as opposed to the fact that the record turnout is an example of how folks are navigating the barriers of voter suppression. Then there's the fact that Brian Kemp has a long history of voter suppression. He has a very extreme record when it comes to issues like abortion, guns, etc. But he is getting a tremendous amount of credit and basically a complete free pass from the media simply for certifying the 2020 election like every other Democratic and Republican governor did in 2020. So Brian Kemp has been lauded by the media as this defender of democracy, <laughs> even though he systematically has undermined voting rights, first as Secretary of State in 2018, where he was both Secretary of State and a candidate for governor, which undermined all sorts of democratic norms. And then last year, when he signed the voter suppression law, that became a template for voter suppression all across the country. And so I think that Stacey Abrams is struggling to deal with that perception of Kemp, because even though he's very extreme, he is being portrayed as more of a moderate simply for doing his job, which every other governor in America did. And finally, Carol Anderson, you not only look at Georgia, um, but as a voting rights expert, have been looking at races across the country. Can you talk about Arizona, where Carrie Lake, um, who is running for governor there, um, said that she will only accept the elections if she wins? <laughs> and, and that has been the mantra of these election deniers who are running for office that the only viable election, the only valid election is one in which they win. That's not democracy, that's autocracy. Um, and, and she really is like Donald Trump in a kind of gussied up fashion, um, more polished, um, more photogenic. And so it doesn't look as horrific, but it is equally as horrific as Donald Trump. And, that, and remember that Donald Trump's big lie that he lost the election, that it was stolen from him, is what led to the insurrection, the invasion at the Capitol on January 6th, the attempt to overthrow the U.S. government. That's where this leads. Let's remember that um, the Secretary of State Hobbs, who's running against her on the Democratic line, um, had just had her campaign offices broken into. The kind of violence that election deniers generate because it plays to a sense of grievance that something valuable is being stolen from them mm -hmm. is what creates this, this, this destabilization in the system. It creates a level of distrust. Um, it's how Ari talked about the massive voter challenges, voter registration challenges that are happening. Gwinnett County here in, in Georgia, the most diverse county in the state, had over 37,000 voters challenged by these right-wingers who were funded by Michael Flynn and Patrick Byrne. And so this is Michael Flynn, the, the former Trump National Security Advisor, Michael Flynn. Yes, the former National Security Advisor, Michael Flynn, his organization is helping to fund the group that is challenging these voter registrations across the state, particularly in the Atlanta metro area and the other counties that have strong uh, cities. 
Well, I want to thank you both for being with us. Carol Anderson is professor at Emory University, author of a number of books, including The Second, Race and Guns in a Fatally Unequal America, and One Person, No Vote, How Voter Suppression is Destroying Our Democracy. Another book, White Rage, The Unspoken Truth of Our Racial Divide. We also want to ask Ari Berman to stay with us so that you can talk more about your new Mother Jones cover story, how Wisconsin became the GOP's laboratory for dismantling democracy. Stay with us. Issue of abortion to the people's 
elected representatives. But what Wisconsin has shown is just how disconnected the people's representatives are from the people themselves. So talk more about this, what this gerrymandering represents and how Wisconsin has often been a laboratory for the country from welfare to this kind of gerrymandering. And then how this fits into another very closely watched race, uh, the senator race uh, that could be flipped, not clear, by Mandela Barnes as he challenges Ron Johnson. Well, it's important to note that Wisconsin has had a long progressive history for many years. It was a state that had the blueprint for policies like Social Security, for collect bargaining rights, for the direct election of U.S. senators. Uh, back in the early 1900s, under Scott Walker, it became a laboratory for anti-democratic conservatism. Again, tons of money from places like the Bradley Foundation to try to privatize schools, to dismantle unions, to dismantle campaign finance laws, to suppress votes, and that has accelerated dramatically with the extreme gerrymandering we're seeing. Basically, what Republicans can do in Wisconsin is they can nullify the will of the voters. They don't have to pass popular policies, they can do extreme things, and they feel like there's no accountability. And routinely, Democrats get more votes than Republicans, but Republicans have these huge majorities in the state legislature. In 2018, for example, Democrats won all five statewide elections in Wisconsin, including for governor. They got 53% of the vote for the state assembly, but Democrats only got 36% of seats. And so right now, there's a competitive race for the governor, there's a competitive race for the U.S. Senate, but Republicans could be on the verge of getting two-thirds majorities in the legislature. And that's a really scary situation for democracy because what that means is that essentially the heavy, heavily gerrymandered legislature where there's no accountability could be in charge of running elections in the state. And that poses a grave danger to fair elections in 2024. So you've written about how what the Republican plan is um, for one-party rule this year. Explain. Well, basically, what Republicans want to do is they want to take control in 2022 in key swing states like Wisconsin so that Trump's coup will succeed in 2024. You'll remember that Trump asked Republican state legislatures in places like Wisconsin to overturn the will of the voters. They didn't do that because in some cases they don't have the power to do that. In Wisconsin, the governor certifies the presidential election. What Republicans want to do is they want to get a two-thirds supermajority in Wisconsin so the ultra-gerrymandered legislature will instead be in charge of certifying elections. And that could potentially mean they could overthrow the popular vote in these states. And so I think it's really important to note that these state races in 2022, who's elected governor, secretary of state, attorney general, but also who controls the legislatures, is going to have a huge impact on whether we will have a fair election in 2024. And I think a lot of people only pay attention to presidential elections. But if you overlook these midterms, it's going to be too late. And what happens in the states has a huge impact what happens nationally as well. Wisconsin has become the laboratory for dismantling democracy, not just in the state, but nationwide. 
the voter suppression, the union busting, the attacks on campaign finance laws. These are things that happened in Wisconsin that were exported to other states to become not just a state model, but a national model as well. So what's happening in places like Wisconsin affects not just Wisconsin, but the whole country as well. Finally, of course, talking about Mandela Barnes, the lieutenant governor, could become Wisconsin's first black U.S. senator if he defeats Republican incumbent Ron Johnson in November. During the protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin in 2020, we spoke to Barnes and asked him what's being done at the state level around police reform. We introduced, um, or the governor introduced, uh, a legislative package. Now, we know that a legislative package is not going to solve the deep problems, but it takes a coordinated effort. We need action at every level of government. Reimagining what uh, what keeping people safe looks like, it goes to making sure uh, that there's funding on the front end to prevent violence from happening in the first place, like violence interrupters, but also having support for community organizations, having support for job training programs, uh, you know, whatever whatever the case may be, to create communities, to create societies where people have an opportunity to thrive where less or fewer police are actually needed to respond to anything in the first place. So that's Mandela Barnes, who could become the first black senator from Wisconsin in the U.S. Senate. But if you could comment overall on this race as you travel through Wisconsin and what else you're looking at in this pivotal election year. Well, first off, Amy, I think it's important to note that criminal justice reform was very popular in Wisconsin, was introduced before the legislature and the heavily gerrymandered legislature took no action on it. So the lack of criminal justice reform in Wisconsin is also a victim of gerrymandering. But Republicans are absolutely hammering Mandela Barnes on defund the police. When I was there, there were ads over and over by Ron Johnson's campaign saying Mandela Barnes wanted to defund the police. That's not true. They've twisted his words. But I think the idea is that they're trying to make the election of the first black senator in Wisconsin seem like something that's scary and dangerous, and that's going to lead to more crime. So I think they're absolutely running a, a very racist campaign against Mandela Barnes there uh, by Ron Johnson. I think it is hurting Mandela Barnes, and he has a difficult time to become a U.S. senator trying to counteract these attacks. Uh, but it's a very, very uh, close State. And so what I'm looking at is not just the U.S. Senate. I'm looking at whether um, Tony Evers, the Democratic governor, will get reelected. And I'm looking at whether Republicans will get supermajorities in the legislature or not. Uh, so I think there's a lot of races in Wisconsin that are really important. I think it's a microcosm of the country writ large where these state races have a tremendous importance. And they have a tremendous importance affecting not just state politics, but national politics as well. Ari Berman, I want to thank you for being with us, senior reporter for Mother Jones. We'll link to your piece, How Wisconsin Became the GOP's Laboratory for Dismantling Democracy. Ari is author of Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America. Coming up, we go to Florida to voting rights activist Desmond Mead and how Republican Governor Ron DeSantis is attempting to scare formerly incarcerated people away from voting by using his newly formed election police force to arrest people on trumped up voter fraud charges. Back in 30 seconds.
This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. We look now at how Republicans are still trying to scare former felons away from voting, even as trumped up charges of voter fraud in past elections have been dismissed in the lead up to the November 8th midterm elections. It was March 2020. Super Tuesday, when Hervis Rogers was interviewed by CNN's Ed Lavendera as he stood in line with other voters in Houston, Texas. Why did you wait this long to vote? Because I wanted, I feel like it was my duty to vote. I want to get my vote in to voice my opinion, and I want to let nothing stop. So I waited it out. We waited for about six hours. Yeah. About six hours, a little bit over six hours. That interview with Rogers went viral. A year later, he was charged with felony voter fraud for voting when he was ineligible while on felony parole. Last week, a district court judge in Texas set aside his indictment, which was brought by the Republican Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who's running for re-election and supports former Trump's claims of the 2020 election was stolen. Days later, Paxton launched a 2022 so-called election integrity team. This comes after a legal setback in Florida for Republican Governor Ron DeSantis also running for re-election. Last Friday, a Miami man arrested under DeSantis's newly formed Florida Office of Election Crimes and Security had his charges dismissed. Floridians voted in 2018 to allow formerly incarcerated people with past felony convictions to cast ballots, excluding those convicted of murder or felony sex offenses. Robert Lee Wood was among 20 mostly black voters arrested in August who said they were encouraged to vote by Florida officials and were not made aware of this exclusion, which is not stated on voter registration forms. Police body cam footage shows how people seem puzzled by their arrests and didn't intend to run afoul of the law. This is Tampa resident Ramona Oliver being arrested. President of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition and chairman of Floridians for a Fair Democracy. He spearheaded Amendment 4, which re-enfranchised 1.4 million Floridians. His latest book is titled Let My People Vote, My Battle to Restore the Civil Rights of Returning Citizens. Welcome back to Democracy Now!, Desmond. Um, as we watch this video and this woman saying, oh my God, can you talk about the 20 or so Floridians who were just arrested by the so-called election integrity, the 
election police force that DeSantis has uh, just created. Well, good morning, Amy. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You know, I'm looking at the video and, and just hearing this woman speak, and it just infuriates me, you know, and, and almost like getting re-traumatized again. Thinking about those 20 people, you know, some of whom were uh, arrested by SWAT teams, right, and, and having helicopters over their homes as if they're Pablo Escobar or something, you know, and, and each one of these individuals terrified some being drug out in their home in the middle of the night, still in their pajamas, wouldn't even wouldn't even be allowed to 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 get into regular clothes, and the thing all because of the state's failure uh, to have a, a system in place that could assure any American citizen that lives in the state of Florida whether or not they're eligible to vote. And so it's it's very it's very infuriating, um, and and I know that you know we talk about you know the the impact the chilling impact that this can have on on especially returning citizen voters, and sadly, Amy, the damage has already been done. Uh, right now, we're forced to try to mitigate those damages uh, by responding to these arrests. Desmond, uh, just clarify your terms. Explain what you mean and you consider yourself a returning citizen by this term, returning citizens. I'm glad you asked that, Amy. You know, returning citizen is uh, used interchangeably with justice-impacted people or people who had previous uh, felony convictions uh, who've been impacted by the criminal justice system. Uh, we tend to, to shy away from using the word felon because that is a dehumanizing term. And, and unfortunately, you know, this, this country is accustomed to using that word. But when you do that, you, you kind of lose the humanity in, in some of these stories. You know, when you show that gentleman that was excited about being able to vote and was willing to stand in line for hours to do so, right, that's the human part of it. And I really appreciate you for showing that. Right, but it reminds me even of the young man who was investigated for voting fraud, talking about how he's he's been hidden away from society for so long, and when he was told by the supervisor of elections that he was eligible to vote, how he felt like you know he was finally part of society. And these are the stories that we have to uplift because it's more about the people and less about the politics. Talk about how you felt when you were able then to vote and why this was so important to you. I mean, let me tell you, you know, and, and it's, I know it's hard for people to wrap their head around, but I really do believe that when we talk about voting, it actually transcends partisan politics. I know every time we say voting, it's, it's within a conversation about Democrats or Republicans. But when I went to vote for the first time in my very first presidential election in 2020, you know, I didn't feel as if I was voting as a Democrat or a Republican or even as an African-American. And what I felt I was doing was engaging in an act that, that validated my existence on this planet, that, that validated my existence within a society, that my voice matters, right? And, and it was such a, a, a sacred experience uh, that I felt, and, and it really drove home why we were so adamant in fighting for everyone, every returning citizen having an opportunity to participate in our democracy and how important everyone's participation is to our democracy in order for our democracy to be more vibrant. And I mean, it's not just returning citizens who are excited about voting. The state of Florida, um, you spearheaded Amendment 4. It overwhelmingly 
passed. But then can you talk about how the Republican-led legislature tried to restrict what the people of Florida, Democrat, Republican, Independent, voted for? You actually, Desmond Mead, had very little resistance in this amendment that enabled, what, something like 1.4 million more Floridians to vote. Yeah, and you're right, Amy. You know, just I think your, your previous guest alluded to it, that, you know, we're in a time now in this country where you have elected officials that are, are, are blatantly ignoring the will of the people. You know, here in Florida, the people clearly spoke, you know, and we had a very beautiful moment when we passed Amendment 4 because we had people from all walks of life and all political persuasions, Democrats, Republicans, independents. Matter of fact, over a million people who voted for Governor DeSantis also voted for Amendment 4. However, you know, I believe since the, the formation of this country, there's always been a select group of politicians who would much rather pick and choose who get to vote for them as opposed to letting everyone have a say in how their country is governed. As a matter of fact, it hasn't been too long since uh, women were given the right to vote. There was a time in this country when there were politicians that, that uh, strenuously believed that women should not be able to have a say in how this country is ran. And they were willing to abuse women. They were willing to uh, incarcerate women to prevent them from having a say. And this is the same thing that we're seeing right now. So, Desmond Mead, let's go back to this arrest of the 20 people, um, almost all African-American, who were arrested. And what they were told, I mean, to be very clear here, this is more than arresting them. It sends a message to people who've been incarcerated or not in Florida. You better watch out. If you vote, you might be arrested, whether or not later on the charges get dropped. But the idea that, in fact, a number of them did not think they could vote, but they were told, don't worry about it, sign up, and if you can't, you won't be able to vote, you'll be told. Yeah, you're perfectly right, you know, and I tell folks that there's a bigger story within the story that's told, you know. Uh, you know, prior to the August arrest, there were some arrests in April, I think, in, in Alachua County, and in this particular case, you had 10 men that were arrested, uh, some were, were drug out of uh, homeless shelters. There was a grandfather that was arrested in front of his grandkids. And these gentlemen were all told by a supervisor of election that it was okay for them to register to vote. And they did, right? And, and, and what we're seeing is that, when, and we know that there is probably hundreds, even thousands more individuals that are facing a, a, a possibility of being arrested or even prosecuted. At the end of the day, you know, we've, we've always stated that the burden is on the state. When a person fills out a voter registration form, even a third-party voter registration organization, when they help someone register to vote, it is not their responsibility to ensure that that person uh, is uh, totally a qualified voter. They do not have the resources that the state has. Right? And so those applications are then sent to the Secretary of State whose responsibility it is to run the, the, the applications through whatever various systems it has to, to ensure whether or not that person is a qualified voter. If that person is not qualified, then the Secretary of State would not issue a voter identification card. However, if, if that person is qualified, the state would send that person a voter identification card. And when that person receives that card, there's no other option but to believe that they are a legitimate voter.
right? Because if you can't rely on, on the state to give you assurances about whether or not you can vote, then who else can you rely on? I'm looking at a New York Times piece about one of the people arrested, Larry, um, named Robert Lee Wood, who received a voter card from Florida six or seven weeks after filling out the application. And then he gets arrested. So can you talk, as we wrap up, Desmond Mead, about how many people who are formerly imprisoned um, do have the right to vote in this country who's, uh, who may not know this? Or just what is the population we're talking about? Well, let me tell you about Florida, because Florida is such a pivotal state. You know, there's over 600,000 returning citizens that are living in Florida right now that are eligible to register to vote and participate in elections, right? But they face the challenge of, number one, the, the chaos surrounding the payment of fines and fees. Uh, that 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 kind of discourages them from even trying to vote. And then now you have these arrests. One very important thing, though, I want to know, Amy, is that I remember when there was a raid on in, in Mar-a-Lago, President uh, Trump's home, how some people were questioning the timing of the FBI raid, saying that it's suspicious that they would raid two years uh, before the presidential election. And now, my statement to them is that if people are concerned about the timing two years off, right, here in Florida, these arrests started on the eve of, 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 of elections, right? Whether it was the primary election that we had in August, right, and now, of course, the general election that we have here in November. And so these arrests are, are, are frighteningly close to election, and it, is, it can't be other any other uh, uh, conclusion to make other than that this is an intimidating tactic uh, to scare people away from participating in our democracy. And so folks need to be outraged at this. Folks need to, to fight back. And one of the ways they can do this, Amy, is that we've set up bail funds for these individuals and we've set up a legal defense fund. The gentleman that you talked about whose case was dropped we were able to provide an attorney for this young man so he's able to successfully challenge uh, these charges in court. We have five we're providing seconds. attorneys for any individual who are arrested on these charges, and we're making sure that people are also able to bail out if they cannot afford to post bail. Desmond Mead, we want to thank you for being with us, President of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, Chair of the Floridians for a Fair Democracy. Tune in November 8th for our three-hour election night special beginning at 9 Eastern. I'm Amy Goodman. So let's play cry. We might have to cut off the end, but it might just be music, but let's go for it. We don't have any more time to oh. just, uh, quibble about it. Let's just go for it now. Oh, crying. Yeah. Okay. We'll do our very best. Okay. I know who is here. And I say that in the most loving way. I know who is here.
I know who is listening. I know who's reading. The clock as you know it does not exist on my side of the veil. Your reality is not mine. I sometimes speak of things that are in your future that are happening for us now based upon the potentials that are the strongest. But we may interact, the two of us, because the strongest bond that we would have would be that which you would call the love of the Akash. bond comes in the number of lifetimes, the very soul core that you have that I know, and of course the friend that you are when you're not pretending to be a human. <laughs> Long before there were planets and galaxies, we romped together in the universe, you and I. You had an idea of what you've really been through long before you ever got here on this Gaia. You'd know what you're in for. You know the bridge that you're about to cross, you would know of the good things. are in store for your children. You'll know that the legacy that you have left here with your imprint will be felt in the galaxy for all time. Difficult to explain things that are beyond explaining. Well, the attribute of that which is the creative source is that it always was. A force that has no time at all, always is. Time is then an attribute that is placed upon it all to the intellect of the corporeal human being that exists in three dimension. And they will look at everything and they will say, indeed, when did it happen? When will it happen? Where might it be? And all of those questions don't make sense on my side of the veil. It's that critical. And all of these potentials were only potentials as I sat before you not long ago, 22 years ago, and opened the mouth of my partner. 
And he struggled to say the words, I am crying a magnetic servant. And so we get down to the basics. Uh, In the lectures, my partner describes the things which are outside of your reality. We we speak to him in terms that are multidimensional so that you will then be able to bring yourself to a realization that you must push the envelope of what you truly think is real. And that by pushing that envelope, it expands an element of your personality that you don't even know you have, which truly is the creative source. It will take you into the areas you don't know about yet. (laughs) And I laugh because it's clear to us and a mystery to you. But the mystery starts to clear as you push on the walls of your room of reality. Roofers are furious about this new product that's going viral. Replace your whole roof in as little as eight hours? And right now... All of these metaphors mean that at some level, human being, you have to sit with yourself. And you have to analyze what it is that you have to change. We start asking the questions which are really basic. Are you going to be able to move forward? Is there anything stopping you? Are there any blocks? How do you know? Can you simply go for it? Here's the premise. Like everything else that you have ever done in your life, there has to be some acknowledgement of preparation. Can you start to mine the Akash, as we have told you, you may do with pure intent, yes? Can you start pulling in things for yourself which would slow your aging, yes? Can you start actually changing your life in a way where you could start seeing a peaceful human being where perhaps there isn't one now, yes? Can you pull in solutions to problems that you don't think are solvable? Yes. But you're going to have to prepare. And now we get to the hard stuff. And the psychologists will look at it differently than we will. But you have to start taking stock, as they say of who you are. And you have to look at basics very, very strongly and ask yourself the difficult questions. We've got a list. And it's five deep, this list. 
you look inside yourself, are you ready? And you will say, yes, I am. And I will say, probably not. I want you to look at the masters of the planet and I want you to, I want you to really examine their lives and I want you to say to yourself, am I ready? It's time for you to assimilate some of the attributes that have been taught by all of them. This is not that difficult, dear one. It starts with understanding, recognition, and intent. Here's the list. What are you afraid of? Number one, fear. What are you afraid of? And you'll say, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm ready to go. I want to tell you something. You're afraid of many things that you're not acknowledging and you might not even know about because it's buried and hidden in your akash, but it affects you every day of your life. It's why so many of you are dysfunctional. You carry around things from the past that etch themselves into a place in your behavior that makes you move the other way when you see something coming you don't like. That's a fear. And it may not be on top, but it's a fear. And so that's the first thing. Does that change who you are, what you might do, and where you might not go? And the answer is, oh, yeah. And you'll say, well, wait a minute, crying. And I'll say, you wait a minute. I'll address that in a minute. <laughs> Number two, ego. Well, crying, you don't have to worry about that. I settled that years ago. Yeah. Really? Let me ask you something. When you're with other light workers, what do you talk about? Mm-hmm. Do you sit and listen and revel in the beauty of what they have to say, or do you talk about what you're doing? <laughs> you talk about how you worked on yourself. Do you talk about your processes? It's a form of ego, dear one, if you didn't know it. Perhaps you're proud of how much you've accomplished in your processing of yourself. <laughs> but you can't hardly, hardly wait to blurt it out to everybody. So I'll give you an exercise. Next time you go to dinner, next time you go out with friends, here is your task. And find out whether it's difficult or whether it's easy. Don't say anything about yourself. Zero. Unless asked. This is going to tell you what your habit is. During the Great Depression, this very weed was collected in bathtubs. People washed it and prepared it for canning. It's found essentially everywhere in North America for most of the year. Some even consider it an invasive superweed. It thrives between garden plants. There are some of you who will throw it out onto the table for everybody to hear, whether they want to hear it or not. And that is the ego of the light worker, proud of what they've done. And the masters of earth, did they do this? And when they gathered around with others, did you hear them talk about themselves? And the answer is no. 
They sat at the feet of those that came to see them and they listened and taught and fed them and loved them. What about anger? And you'll say, well, I, I don't get angry often. I didn't ask you that. What do you get angry at and why? What's the trigger? And why is it there? What was the trigger for the masters? And I'll give you the answer. They didn't have one. Not really. Not really. They had disappointment. And the things that disappointed them were the things that disappoint, disappoint so many of you. War disappoints us. Inhumanity disappoints us. Unbalance disappoints us. What are you angry at? What is it will trigger that in you? And you know what it is. If you've got anything that'll always make you angry, you've got something to work on, don't you? And you'll say, well, wait a minute, Christ. You see, this is not my fault. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, wait a minute. I'll get to that. Mm. Number four, reaction. What do you react to? What is it you can hardly wait to, to pop in your two bits? Hmm. Perhaps it's political. Somebody's saying something. You've got something else to say. Your reaction. What triggers you? Not anger, reaction. I'll tell you what one reaction is, defense. If somebody says something about you and it's not true, blatantly not true because of their ignorance or their misunderstanding, do you react? You want to set them straight, perhaps. You want to tell them the right way, perhaps. And how much of that did you see in the masters that walked this planet, dear one, when they were accused? You see them fly off the handle and give them a lecture about what they were doing wrong? The answer is no. There were no triggers. There were no triggers. There were no reaction. Did you notice? The masters were at complete and total peace. Somebody say something political. You better work on that. But wait a minute. That's not my, my, my fault. You see, crying because I'm going to say you wait a minute. Are you in judgment of anything? Number five. Anything. When you view others, what's the first thing you see? And you'll say, I'm not a judgmental person. I didn't ask you that. What do you see? What do the masters see when they looked at anyone? They see God inside. That's the first thing they see. No matter what the situation no matter where they are, 
no matter what context. Somebody cuts you off on the on the freeway. Do you see the God inside them? You see what I'm saying? What's your trigger, dear one? We make assumptions. And the human being has theirs. And so now I'll let the human being talk. And they'll say, well, you don't understand. I came in with these things. And I've been trying to unlearn them all my life. And yes, I know that I'm judgmental and sometimes I get angry and sometimes I react and I can't help my politics. It was one of my parents taught me and it's ingrained in my mind. I can't help the fact that I do certain things the way I do them because that's who I am. I'm a human being. And I'm not really a master. And so you got to cut me a break. Because these are human attributes. And I'm going to tell you it's about time that you understood what they are. These are engrams, a template of how you came in that begs to be changed. Begs to be changed. This year, while you're making your list and checking it twice, don't forget to give the gift of safety. Now, that may not sound like the most exciting... And every single excuse that you will give, I will tell you the masters will look at you and say, you don't have to have it. Why don't you get rid of it? You make the assumption that it's there forever. You paste it upon your persona. And that is the way it is. And you're wrong. And so what I'm telling you in this short channel, dear one, is that every single thing on the list, which we're going to go through again in a minute, has been given to you to alter. And in the alteration of these things, that recalibration of your basic personality will get you faster than anything, it'll get you there faster than anything to become more quantum, to move into your life, into the things you really want. You're clearing these boulders away so you can move forward in all the things we've been teaching. If you don't clear the way, it's going to be harder. Psychiatrists and psychologists God bless these human beings, for they work with other human beings and try to help them in their lives. They're dedicated to it. Absolutely dedicated. The interesting thing about psychologists and psychiatrists, and most of them are unbalanced. And that's what brought them to the puzzle to help humanity. For they see it in themselves. They know what it feels like. They study it. They correct it. They move forward. They teach it. It's universally known. But if you ask them what they do, they will say, we work with a static model. 
of human behavior. We try to undo some of the things that the human being has done. We look at their past, we try to put the band-aid in it through conscious awareness, through realization, through practice, through repetition. A 12-step program if they need it. Getting rid of addictions, fears, all of these things based upon a static model that never can change. And that, my dear human being, is the difference between what was and what is. For now we are telling you something, and now we go through the list yet again. Is that everything that has occurred in your life is rewritable. You cannot change the past, but you can change how you react to it. (laughs) The very things that you would use as an excuse of why you do the things you do will then belong to another human, not you. Or you will start to rewrite the actual engrams of your personality trait. More aptly represent the masters of history. And you're going to find that as you begin, it won't be that hard. What are you afraid of? All of the fears that are subconscious that you carry in are based upon past life experience. What do you avoid? What do you not want to do? All of these things, some of them unexplainable to you, can be cleared. And we've given the process before, and you begin with active asking. And then you start practicing these things and walk into the places you don't want to walk into. You actively begin to steer areas that you would never go to. If you're shy, you start talking to people without being asked, how are you? Pretty soon you realize it's easier than you thought. Pretty soon you stop steering away from things. Because that which is the innate in your body, the body intelligence starts to cooperate with that desire for you to erase the fears that are subconscious and they will disappear. Guaranteed. You're not going to cover them up with a program. They're going to go away because you are going to rewrite the information that used to be there with new information that you're going to create. Our clinical curriculum brings intuition to make it real, perspective to make it stick, and wisdom to make it easy to get there. The contextualization facilitates memory formation. It also protects against Memorize and regurgitate that you'll find. The ego will never be a problem. You will be proud of yourself in a way that is appropriate and you never have to tell anybody how proud you are. Because spirit knows and is proud. And isn't that good enough? That the love of God carries you from place to place and says, God bless you. We are so proud of you. We love you. And that should be good enough that you never have to tell anybody anything about what you've done. Unless they ask. There's no desire to spill it out. 
and you won't want to. Never again will you open the conversation of here's who I am and here's what I did and here's what I've done. Perhaps even under the guise of self-help, here's how I've helped myself. You won't have to because you will be complete without it. Hmm. Now, this doesn't fit everyone in the room, but it fits some of you. And some of these things are hard to hear. Anger is a product of the past. You get angry because something triggers the anger. The thing that is in you, which responds, is information. You're programmed. This life, the one in the past, doesn't matter where it is, you're programmed. And you know it. Because it makes you angry. You actually respond emotionally. Your chemistry starts to change. You have to admit that's pretty profound. How would you like to remove the trigger? If you rewrite the information, you'll never be angry. Oh, you can be disappointed. And you know how you can tell? There'll never be the rage chemistry. All of that which makes your heart beat faster, which makes you swell up, which makes your, literally your mind block itself, will go away. And there will be no anger trigger. Anger will be something that is not one of the attributes of your life. And you'll start realizing it over a period of time. Disappointment? Yes. Sorrow, empathy, compassion, yes, but not anger. So many times we've said in the past, can you reach the point where a human being can point at you and call you names and accuse you of things that are not accurate? And you can look them in the eye and the only thing that you will feel is you're sorry they're having a bad day. No anger. And no reaction. Number four, no reaction. Can you reach a point where the things that you would normally react to, you don't anymore? They carry no control. Reaction is an automatic response to a program in your attribute of personality that you can't control. You automatically defend. You automatically speak when you hear something that you don't like. What if you could rewrite that Ingram? Oh, you may not agree, but why do you have to respond? Why do you have to defend something? It's another person's idea of you. It's not you. What is there to defend? When God loves you to the degree we do and sees you as a divine human being walking this planet perfectly in lesson day by day, isn't that good enough for you? If a person accuses you wrongly, 
you can be disappointed. You can be compassionate and not react. Do you? You don't have to. What kind of judgment would you put upon those who would false accuse you? There are certain words you might have used in the past. Trump's Republican judges took away our rights. Now, Republican judges are running to take over New Mexico's. How do you judge those that that are in ignorance or or perhaps uninformed and will go and do certain kinds of things? What is your judgment of those who don't believe what you believe? And how do you see them? This is one of the biggest, dear one, believe it or not. How does God see them? How does the master see them? Millions of human beings believing in certain spiritual things that you don't necessarily ascribe to. And what do you see in them? In their zeal, what do you see? I'll tell you what the masters see. And let this be your test. Blessed is the human being who finds God anywhere in any way. For that is appropriate for their path. Do not judge the one who does not find God like you have found God, old soul. For whatever they find is good enough for their path for now. Celebrate the fact that they even want to go there and find a creator inside in any way they do. If they want to climb steps and crawl and cry, if they want to assign it to a prophet, they are looking for the same thing that you've looked at and they're in their own path in their own time. Look at them with compassion, understanding and joy. That's how God sees them. Also, five things that we ask you to look at inside. We're getting down to the basics, are we not? Every single one of the five. You start clearing these things. If any single one of these is out of balance, I'll tell you, dear one, you're going to have trouble moving forward. Now, we have not said this before. These are the attributes we want you to work on, on yourself. And when you have accomplished even a partial correction of any of these, even the intent beginning, it's almost like a door opens. And the things that you've asked for begin to settle. I wouldn't tell you these things if they were not accurate. This is the system at its best. Practice that which is mastery with the examples that you've been given over history and start to change who you are in order to move into who you will be. And that is going to change the earth. 
and that is going to change the earth. And this is the task of the old soul today. I want to talk about something that is so profoundly germane to the time. It's time to speak of these things. I want to talk about several things this evening, and one leads to the other. There is a plan, dear one, for this galaxy. And right now, this is the center of the plan. The only planet of free choice is you. It means that the only planet of billions in this galaxy that has a certain kind of soul a soul that is aware, that has been seeded with the knowledge of light and dark and has a chance to decide where they're going. High vibration, low vibration, without the influence of God, a free choice. It's what creates a human being in this audience who still doesn't believe this is real. Free choice. And you have it. This planet was set up that way. The very creation story you have is the story of the Pleiadians who were an enlightened planet who had the creative source in their DNA, sharing it with you, so you would have the choice to go forward or not. This is the galactic soul plan. You may not understand, dear ones. So let me just say this. Don't you feel God inside? At some level, can you feel the eternalness of your soul? Did you know that 85% of this planet believes in the afterlife? No matter what their belief system, it includes the afterlife. Not wishful thinking, but intuitive, absolutely intuitive truth. When you leave this planet in corporeal form, there is a piece of you which is eternal and stays in the universe. Call it. If you're a reader, you are secretly a writer. what you want. Whatever you think it is, it's more complex. However you think of the human soul, it's grander and greater than you can even imagine. 
There's a soul plan. For everyone in the galaxy. Now there's something new going on. Very new. Since 2012. How do I describe this? So that it will be succinct. And will be real to you. And you will say. I understand this. This is hard. It was January 2013. And my partner got a phone call. A man and his team had died. My partner put down the phone. And he cried. There wasn't time yet. He said. Wasn't right. He said. The man was doing everything correct in the scheme of what we believe, he said. He was a teacher and a, a healer. And my partner was mad at God. <laughs> mad at God. That's not a time to channel, by the way. <laughs> Almost everyone in here at some time has been mad at God. And the anger is frustration of why things are the way they are. Because they seem out of sync with love. Out of sync with love. And you say, how could this be? What possible reason would there be for the man to leave this planet now? Had to be an accident. and wasn't. His heart simply stopped beating. How many of you have had that situation where you lose someone? A partner, a friend, a sister, a brother, a parent, and it's not time. As though there ever was a good time. But you know, it wasn't time. And you stop for a moment and in your sorrow, you shake your head. And you say, what possible, possible reason could there be? It's out of sync with love. There's anger, there's frustration. You don't believe it. You deny it. It hurts your heart for a long time. You've had it. My partner's had it. It's recently happened here. So I want to show you something that you didn't think of. I shared this with my partner about his team member, Sid, who we lost, and still my partner is in denial. Why this should be? I don't expect you to understand. I just want you to know. There is a maturity 
in what I'm going to call new energy soul planning. What's the most important thing for you? It's to stay alive. It's to stay alive and shine your light. We have said this over and over for 26 years. For all humanity, extended life, staying on the planet, changing the very dirt of the earth because you're here and you vibrate higher. You're important, we have said to you. You make a difference, we have said to you. And then way before it's time, you lose somebody precious who is doing everything right. Everything right. And you're mad at God. There's nothing but love on this side of the veil. Regardless of your feelings. But I want to make you even more enlightened. I don't expect you to understand. I just... crisis in Ukraine is horrifying and heartbreaking. The war is tearing families apart and turning neighborhoods into unrecognizable rubble. I just want you to know what you have done on this planet is to shift the future. Past 2012, you're shifting the potential of what is to come. And in order for this future to be manifest with the kind of perfection it needs, it needs an army of light workers that are profound. Soul planning. You're losing to you some of the most profound personalities and beautiful people on this planet and they're going early and I'll tell you why because we need them for the future you need them right now to come back on this planet be born soon time to grow up so they will play a part in a new kind of future for the earth a gentle compassionate beautiful future and we need them. It's no sacrifice. Or is it? Is it any consolation for you to know you're going to meet them again? You'll be there. You all will be there. It is the cycle of life. That souls are eternal. From the great central source, come to earth in lesson, leave the earth and come back and continue and continue and continue. This is the staple of spiritual reality. In your Akash right now, you have so many lives. Do you feel it? Do you understand it? 
Do you know it? I want you to feel it and acknowledge it. You're part of this system. As an old soul, you pass the marker and things are changing. There is more soul planning going on right now than any time in humanity. Because before you pass this marker, it simply was repetition of old energy. You come and you go, not much goes on. You come and you go, not much changes. Thousands of years of the same energy, the same wars, the same hatred, the same human nature, and suddenly it changed. What was the focus when she was alive of Martine? What was her focus? What was the names of the books that she helped write? What was her focus? The great shift, the transition of consciousness. Here is a mature soul, ripe and ready for the future. And we needed her to make the cycle now. My partner's teammate, Sid, in 2013, we needed him now. We needed him to grow up and be my partner's mentor in 75 years. The potential of the planet is ripe. Let me explain that. It is almost palatable. It's reality unmanifested. It sits there starting to build itself potential. Soul planning. Can you take a deep breath? Along with those souls you've loved and lost who are here and say, it's okay. It is okay. Okay. I want to repeat something that I gave in my partner's language not too long ago in Israel to give you hope. And it's something that is so esoteric, there are those who will roll their eyes and say, I'm not really sure I got that part. It's advanced information about the way things work in this galaxy. I want to ask you a question. You have two kinds of time. B.C. and A.D. What happened? changed the clock why did time start over 
at the death of a prophet. What happened? It would have to be something very profound for historians to go back and start the clock over. Did you notice? I have a prophecy. It's going to take some years. There has to be generations who go by to recognize what happened on your watch in 2012. Okay. We're going to have to finish this tomorrow because it's very, very close to the end of time (laughs) as we have it right now. Uh, So I'm going to just pass this talking stick to our sister Rainbird. I know she'll have some good words as we take our leave. Here it comes, and it's the Emerald Serpent Feathered Ones talking stick tonight. Here it comes, Rainbird. It's yours. Okay, I got it. (laughs) And thank you. Oh, my gosh. A good evening, for sure. Nice, Nice to hear that. All that good cryon work and everything else. Everything else we did and we're going to do some more tomorrow. Look forward to it. And there's a lot of stars out tonight. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I pass this talking stick over to you, Lala, and thank you both for this evening. Here it comes. Thank you, Rainbird. We're going to let that be the music of the spheres tonight, everyone. See you in your dreams and on that bridge. So much love, and we'll see you this afternoon. Namaste. Namaste.